1: I know, of course, that you're out of your jurisdiction. Personally, I think you're a video. But
0: that's the evidence
1: in the car! But
0: I was going to Toshi Station to pick up
1: some power converters. Always oh, like to keep my audience riveted.
0: Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range Idiocy, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. A couple weeks ago, the world lost one of the greatest guitarists of all time a savant of sound, a hacker of hardware a shredder of solos, the Grand Wazoo of Whammy Bars, Mm -hmm. and the Fred Astaire of the fretboard. We are, of course, speaking of the one and only Edward Van Halen. So this evening, we'll be paying tribute the best way we know how, by basically cracking a bunch of jokes and talking about our favorite stuff in the Van Halen catalog, as well as some buy and sell questions, and much more in this episode 44, Women and Idiots First. My name is Todd, and with me, as always, is a man who once attempted to play the iconic song, Eruption, on bass, and managed to dislocate several fingers, his wrist, and somehow also his left hip. My wrist! He is the Eddie to my Alex. We're pretty much the only people who can stand to work with each other for this long... I give you the man they call Tim. My brother, how we doing? You know, I'm not so bad. Although I think I just scraped up my throat. Something fierce on that intro. I don't I know, know why. I know. Good lord.
1: Little gravelly
0: going on there. Uh, hang on. A let me have. Let me have a little sip of, uh, of Uncle Todd's cough syrup, and then we'll take care of that.
1: Little libation'll take care of that. Mm-mm, no problem. Yes.
0: A libation to celebrate our shared narrative. <laughs> Like how that all worked right
1: around. Uh, yeah. That's next I'm, episode.
0: Ah, uh, yes. So, uh, I'm not even going to bother asking you about the uh, the tag team because, of course, we all know who that is. That would be uh, Edward and Alex, the, mm-hmm. the Van Halen boys, as we like to refer to them around these parts. Yes, sir. Uh, and uh, yes, they uh, they they don't tend to work well and play well with others for long periods of time, do they? No. <laughs> No, there's 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 a little bit of drama, but uh oh my gosh, can you imagine can you imagine if like back in the 70s and 80s and early 90s there was like Instagram and Twitter? Oh goodness. With <laughs> with all of Van Halen on that? Oh, I, oh yeah! I imagine Eddie and Alex would be going back and forth. David Lee Roth would be all, all over the place. I imagine Michael Anthony's icon would still be like an egg, and he would have like one pin tweet. That was nah,
1: like, no. Nah, Michael Anthony's would be a bottle of Jack.
0: <laughs> well, I imagine that's what his only tweet would be. It would just be a picture of a bottle of Jack Daniels. Yes, yes. But he wouldn't have even bother changing his profile picture. It would just be still be the egg. He would somehow have a blue a blue check mark with the egg, you know. <laughs> Maybe maybe I'm just fantasy booking this way too much. I maybe don't know. Maybe. But uh, we uh, have some business to take care of here before we get into the the subject proper, and that business, of course, is the week in geek. What's yes. been going on here, sir?
1: Well, we'll we'll, we'll start off with uh, the business at hand, and last week was a a showdown, a a matchup of Titanic proportions, as yours truly. Uh, was facing Uncle Todd face-to-face, head-to-head in fantasy football. Quick slants versus they all hate you. It sounds like a damn monster movie. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There it is. <laughs> and let's just say this was an exercise in poor quarterback management on my part. Oh, boy. Uh, last week, I decided to go with youth over over age and and start cam Newton instead of Tom Brady how'd that work out for you and that that happened for, for those who are unaware that that was the game uh, against the San Francisco 49ers where the Patriots were drubbed at home 33 to six mm. and normally in our league a quarterback will post somewhere in the range of 40 to 60 points on a very productive good day fantasy mm-hmm. points mm-hmm. cam Newton Posted mm. fifteen. One five. That's not rough. five one, not five zero, but one five. That's that's what you're
0: asking out of like a third tier or oh second tier wide gosh. receiver.
1: And I- to add insult to injury, yes, yes, Tom oh, Brady do. sitting on the bench. Yes. Posted seventy. Yeah. Seventy oh. points. <laughs>
0: Talk about leaving money on the table. You left money on the table, your oh wallet, my
1: gosh! It your American
0: was- Express gold card, and your Social Security card, along with the keys to your house. Oh, my <laughs> <laughs> uh, And with a note that says, oh, by the way, here's my address and yes. my dog's name and favorite treats. They all hate you. <laughs> and I'm one of them. <laughs> all right. Oh, no, man. I'm, you know, they, they all might hate me, but as of last week, I, I'm going to go back to the 80s. You know, we we all love oh, us, some geez. some professional wrestling. Uh-huh. I'm just going to say right now, yes. because of that matchup last week,
1: I love you. <laughs> oh, you stop it. Stop it. Mm. Brother Love oh. is here for you. Yes, I bet he is <laughs> in all his glory. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. Now, now even if I had started break, you still would have gotten kicked. we I, I would have lost, but it would have been a much closer game. it would have been probably I would have been in the 230 like your total score was 243. my total score was 179. Well, actually so you, it's
0: 241. I guess it was a stat adjustment so you gained a little bit if that makes you feel any better. Oh really? Oh because I'm looking yeah. at
1: it right now it says 243 here.
0: Uh, I don't know. the, the one that seen, for, for, again, for last week. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at. It was oh. 241 to 179.
1: Okay, maybe I didn't get the update or something.
0: I don't know. I don't know. It's it's Yahoo, dude. But who, who if, if knows? I had
1: started Brady, then it would have been more like 230. To, it would have been at least closer.
0: Yes, it wouldn't have been a laugher.
1: But you had my number. Had oh. my number last week. It's just uh, by how much did you have my number? And, uh, oh yeah. This was so, to the tune of 70 some odd points. So,
0: so now the and the, the important part of this is is of course the fact that I just completely just. Took you to school. Like, just call me the bus driver. Ah, oh, yes. Took you to school back and gave you a snack pack and sent you on your way. <laughs> Where's my snack pack? Oh, enjoy that pudding. Oh, thank and you. So the 241 to 179 pounding uh, resulted in both of us having an even record, 3 and 4. 3 and 4. Now, the follow-up to this. Uh-huh. This week, they all hate you. 235 points uh 244 now my friend i know i just saw that update that was kind of cool uh (laughs) and my (laughs) opponent has 132 points Uh and has a one percent chance to win because they've got like a kicker and a defense which i'm 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 feeling pretty good about this Mm -hmm. and that team that i'm playing is the six and one top of our league team very nice Meaning, I'm heading to four and four, and I—they I, they all hate you. They are all gonna hate you because they're all gonna hate me because I'm on a roll. Just call <laughs> me, call me butter and grape jelly because I'm on a roll. Oh,
1: they all hate you.
0: It's gonna be fantastic. Yes, and actually, if I'm not—if uh, I'm not wrong, actually, I probably am. Um, they. This would it might be I'm creating a a tie this coming week at six and two, which then only puts me like two games out of first place. Uh huh. Yep. <laughs> which is ridiculous because I spent the first how many weeks getting my tail kicked in every I, single well, week.
1: Well, I'm right there with you because I'm I'm facing the uh, the eighth uh, eighth place Cella Dwella team, which is just a made up team because you have to have even number of teams in Yahoo for some reason. mm Hmm. And uh, so I'm drubbing them, uh, 140. Uh, of course, what's really funny is they, uh, the Miami defense is the starting defense. They posted 36 fantasy points, so they actually have a respectable score going right now at 40. <laughs> I was going to say, it's not, it's not that
0: horrible. No, it's not. It's a lot closer it's than not. I'm sure you would like. Uh, a little bit,
1: a little bit. Yeah. But, but I'm coming out 4-4 four and four out of this week. Um, and unfortunately, you and I don't play each other again during the regular season. However... Oh. It would be appropriate.
0: And I'm it would coming be, for you.
1: It would be telling for us to have Idiocy Bowl 2 oh, in the great. playoffs.
0: Woo! I'm,
1: I'm telling you right now, I'm coming for you. I'm and coming we, for we, you. we got to have something on the line here. You know what I mean? There, there, there's got to be, whether it's, it's, a, it's a trophy from, from elementary school, whether it's uh, you know a papered belt. We got to have something on the line here or or hmm. bragging rights or something. I don't know. I don't know. i we'll will love to think about that
0: one. I will think that over and I will get back to you. All right. I have some ideas.
1: Like the idiot cup or something like that, you know.
0: <laughs> I was thinking more about the idiot bottle, but we well, can talk hey, about there that you later. Well, hey,
1: that's an idea too.
0: Although you, you can get the empty bottle back next year if you <laughs> Oh god. <gosh. laughs> it won't be full. I'm just <laughs> guess where? I, that's where I'm heading with that one
1: <laughs> well there you have it there you have it but yeah so
0: that's your that's your free range idiocy fantasy football update of the week and, and just a just a further uh just a recap that for you uh, uh oh, Tim, good Lord.
1: <laughs> just getting
0: just ah it was it was all oh, it was horrible I hated to do it but you know what quote gorilla monsoon will you stop no no I'm gonna <laughs> I'm going to be celebrating this till next year. Oh, I bet you are. That was my Super Bowl right there. If,
1: if nothing else, that, that is what is going to happen. Glorious Mando. Mando.
0: And that's a little foreshadowing for you. A All right, bit. so what else we got going on here? Uh, in the Geek, so sir? out
1: of the fantasy football realm and into the fantasy sci-fi realm, uh, last week a, uh, a blurb about a Battlestar Galactica movie. Ooh, so this is going to be related to the new Peacock Show, right? Written and produced by Simon Kinberg. And, and it's going to tie into the whole universe, right? Having zero tie-in to the 2000 series or the new series coming out on Peacock.
0: Well, you know what? Just it was a, a standalone nice, movie. It was a nice 30-second life when it <laughs> lasted.
1: I don't know that this is going to be very... What the hell is wrong
0: with people? Seriously. I, I don't know. I mean, why? It's the same thing as DC did. Like, hey, we've had three tremendously important and and like w- well-made and reviewed, and they made a, a crap ton of money. We had three Batman movies that changed the world, and we're gonna launch our new comic book universe. Hey, so you are gonna tie it into that? No. Nope. Are you guys stupid? Yes. Okay, perfect. Hey, you know
1: whatever. I, I just I don't get it. I I and I'm with you because. This is not a story. Now, now, setting aside our feelings about the 2000s series, which we both, of course, if you can't already tell, we've devoted umpteen hours of podcast <laughs> episodes to the, to, we, to, to the subject. We kind of liked it. Kind of. Um, setting that aside, yeah. this is not a story that can be told in one movie. Well, the problem it is It just here. can't be.
0: Here's the problem. So we already have the 1978, 79, whatever it was, Battlestar Galactica, which ran for I think it was one season. Then they then they brought it back the low budget route, like Galactica 80, and it only had like Lauren Green and like two other people and reused special effects and all that. So you had that, and then they they started that off with a movie. Okay, fine. Then yeah. we get the the reimagining from Ron Moore. Okay, and that was oh chef's kiss just gorgeous Mm -hmm. now we're going to get this new series on peacock i don't know sometime in the next 20 years already a Uh,
1: question mark over that one
0: yeah i mean well it's going very well i mean nothing is being done but it's going very well which is always a great sign when they feel like they have to put out a press release just to say how well it's going even though zero has been accomplished Uh uh-huh you're in, you're, you know you're in good hands there. It's, it's great. It's like a pilot telling you how well the flight's going before you've even left the gate. Like, I'm a little nervous now that you feel the need to like start pumping me up this early into the process. Like, is this your first flight? Yeah. Do you even know what a jet is? <laughs> and now you're getting this, this movie... That doesn't have anything to do with anything, and it's starting to feel a lot like when they when they kept on redoing Spider Man, and every single time they had. That's why I love the Tom Holland Spider Man because we didn't have to watch Uncle Ben get shot again, or you know why I'm I was the one thing that I felt like at least the new like Batman had going for it in the the DC and all that. At least we didn't have to watch Thomas and Martha Wayne get shot again. Yeah. I was so friggin' tired of seeing these same people get killed over and over, and that feels like what, what's going to happen now. It's going to be, oh, hey, by the way, let's run through the entire apocalypse of the human race at the hands of the Cylons again. Yeah, yeah. No, we've already done that. I've seen it, and I've seen it done really well and probably better than you're going to do it. Yeah. I don't need to see it again. Where's my
1: snack pack? Yeah, I, I, I don't see how any facet of this is going to end up, you know, producing a quality movie because- you know, as we've talked about with with Ron Moore's, you know, reimagined version of it, they th- there was such a an artistry and such a depth to the characters mm-hmm. that whatever they end up and that's and I think this is you know we we talked about the the the, the Peacock show a few episodes ago as well, and that's a challenge that's going to have because mm-hmm. you can't go deep the same way or with the same characters. You got to do something different here. Yeah. And I just don't understand I, I mean other than it being a money play other than just trying to get you know whatever BSG fans there are amped up to just go see a movie but I I'd like to think most of them are, are pretty smart folks and kind of look at this and say what the heck <laughs> it's like well, why yeah. do I want to go spend money on this I've got the DVDs at home I can
0: I can watch them there without having to go in the sci-fi app and see the bastardized cut versions I, that they have imagine they, who
1: imagine the person who is going to play Adama in that movie, the oh. the 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 shoes that they are going to try to fill from one Edward James Almost. I don't want to. Oh, Although, you know,
0: you know, it's really funny. Okay, so here's the thing, oh. and, and and you know what? Don't get me wrong. I love love me some Eddie Almost. Love me some Eddie Almost. I mean. Uh, the admiral near and dear to my heart if i if i had to pick one fictional character to follow into into like into war i'm going i'm, I'm following admiral adama you know bill adama i'll i will run through a wall for that man can i just so, do the bit real quick yes this is
1: a one way trip I'll have to seriously
0: adjust those levels. I just Make want no you mistake. to know. So today, and I'm just saying this because we we always have to keep some perspective. Because Absolutely. you have to remember, like, actors are actors. Did you know that Edward James almost voiced one of the dogs in Beverly Hills Chihuahua? Huh? Yeah, so my kid was what? watching that earlier. Uh, so I w- we, uh, had a full day today, took, a, took like a two hour nap, which, I mean, is the only way to handle daylight savings, because a- as everybody knows, it's such a great thing when it's like, hey, by the way, it's going to be light out earlier and it's going to be like pitch black at 2 p.m. Oh, <laughs> gee, where the heck can I sign up for this? cuz you know 2020 hasn't sucked enough yet. Let's let's just make it dark really early and just you know what? How about how about this? How about I just stand here and and that way I'll spread my I'll spread my feet apart and get a nice little stance here going and that way that way daylight savings and seasonal depression can just take turns just kicking me in the testicles for the next like <laughs> oh, 4 months. Let's just start it off right now. Oh, Anyways, boy. so I took a nap, woke up and my daughter and and my wife are out in the living room watching TV. And she's got Beverly Hills Chihuahua on, and I'm like, all right, I don't particularly want to watch this, but whatever. So we're watching it, and I start looking it up on IMDb because I'm like, all right, who the heck are who who is getting paid for this, and uh, and so Drew Barrymore is like the lead Chihuahua, and then um oh what's his ah crap Andy Garcia is is playing is is voicing one of the dogs, and oh my gosh I, I'm I. <laughs> I can't decide if Andy Garcia is actually a bad actor or if he just mails in almost everything cuz it yeah. feels like it's the same shtick like every episode or every every movie is the same sort of thing like it's just sort of like meh so he's in it and then I'm going further further down I saw Edward James almost I'm like what? Oh no, not the admiral. Say it ain't so. But I mean, you know, the one so time just to- you
1: don't want to hear so say we all. <laughs>
0: Uh, you know, just uh, just to, just to kind of let's you know, just keep things in perspective. Everybody has their missteps. So I'm not trying to say like nobody could ever play Admiral Adam again, but now that's a serious uphill battle.
1: It is. It is. I I, I do have a quick funny story to share. Okay. And I texted this to you earlier this week in one of our pre 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 production meetings. How many pre's was that? Uh, about four,
0: I think. Is that does that count as like a pre us? <laughs>
1: it's 2020
0: and i'm gonna start drinking heavily oh boy
1: no but uh so so as as we have mentioned a few times my my sister-in-law heather has a fan of the show listener of the show hey heather how how you how the frack you doing oh will you stop (laughs) she shared with me this 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 cute video of uh her, her son my my nephew Basically, uh, just kind of out of the blue, starting to just say, "So say we all." <laughs> and just kind of That's saying right. it at random points during the day. And so uh, so I thought that was cute. And then uh, she she texted me that she played the clip from the miniseries, you know toward the end of the miniseries mm-hmm. when the admiral gets everyone fired up, you know about going to find uh, you know the 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 thirteenth colony Earth and so forth. And he starts mm-hmm. doing the the, the the so say we all chant, and uh, and at one point apparently he, he kind of giggles as he's watching this, saying he's so silly. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like that that is so fantastic. It's it's so it's so funny to see their perspective of the world. And oh, I and, think Eddie would appreciate that. Absolutely, absolutely. you can absolutely. get a chuckle out of that. Absolutely. So love the perspective.
0: I am going to give it a 10 out of 10 on the disappointment meter.
1: Yes, I am selling this in large quantities. So, Mm. uh, last point real quick, uh, because we will spend probably our next episode discussing Chapter 9 and 10 of this, but the Mandalorian hath returned. Yes. And uh, I believe you and I, with our families, both witnessed Chapter 9. Do it. And I must say, it did not disappoint. So, no, no, we will get into that later. But w- wonderful yes. to have some new Mandalorian content back on the Disney Plus and uh, back in our lives. So,
0: this is the way.
1: This is the way. All righty, well. oh, sorry, one, two,
0: three, <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> just blowing up people's speakers. Everywhere. I know, I know, <laughs> it's gonna be great. Wow. So, I just want to tell everybody, this is like. This is Timmy's, like, third or fourth seltzer since we started on this. So he's either going to have to pee something fierce within about two and a half minutes. Nah, I'm good. Or he's going to be so bloated, he's not going to be able to fit <laughs> out the
1: doorway. It's, it's not going to be water-weighted. It's just going to be carbonation. Like, I can't get through the door. If you start hearing my mic stutter, it's because i got to turn the gain down so I can burp or whatever. But, you know. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. All right. So now we get to the
0: topic at hand, and of course we are we are we lost a great one, uh, the the wonderful and and talented Edward Van Halen, mm-hmm. and uh, that kind of brought us back to thinking about, um, you know, kind of how we both discovered Van Halen uh, because uh, total disclosure here uh, you and I are both fans of the band however have not been real active fans for for quite some time
1: no and 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 maybe to lump onto that a little bit you know given what our our last episode was about and and prior episodes we've done where we went through kind of our favorite albums or bands and our or what was higher ground? Was that albums? I forget.
0: That was just basically uh like musical upbringing, like just the bands upbringing. and yeah. so, so
1: the higher ground episode, the Rush episode, and then most recently Tower Power episode. You, you and I have an affinity for music.
0: Yes. Safe to say,
1: as you just said, part of that affinity at one point was a appreciation of the band Van Halen, mm-hmm. and and what they kind of brought uh to you know to the table for a period of time. However, as you just mentioned. Um, you know, things have gone dormant. And quite honestly, you know, just given my phase of life, I have just kind of wandered away from that music and just have not listened to it for a fair amount of time. So there was a bit of reorientation going on here when we when we went to tackle this beast.
0: Yes. Yeah. getting It was kind of nice because it was sort of like going back and, and it's almost like your high school reunion, like seeing some people that you haven't seen in a while and, and checking out some things and some memories came back and some good memories. Yeah. Some yep. not so good memories, yeah. and then the oh my gosh, I need to avoid that person at all costs. Let me go to the bathroom.
1: <laughs> <laughs> memories, yes, it's
0: all right there in the Van Halen catalog. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we, uh, let's talk a little bit, about, just briefly, about how we each kind of came to the Van Halen party, because really, Van Halen always has been, and 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 probably always will be, kind of considered a party band. Mm. So, so how did you how did you arrive at the party, sir?
1: Um, I really didn't get to listening to them until kind of later in. Um, well, I shouldn't say later in their career when, when they apexed um, with "For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge" and I think it was ninety one or so. Mm. That was when I started to listen to them. Um, I don't actually remember specifically. I think it may have been uh, my friend Matt. You know, he 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 listened to a lot of different. You know a lot of rock and uh, i think he probably introduced me to van halen and when i really what, what kind of attracted me to them was was you know what eddie was doing in um the 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 first cut off that album uh pound cake um, mm. where he you know the video for it was just I, I i just thought it was hysterical that there was a guitar player using a drill on a guitar <laughs> yeah Power tools were involved. <laughs> Power tools were involved. I thought it was a cool effect. And and, and this is just kind of how, for, you know, it's funny. It, it's, it's how it is with, with me and, and discovering music and, and, you know, just new content like that is something gets my interest. And then I just kind of go down the rabbit hole, you know, mm. of discovering more and more about them. And, you know, I, I kind of went backwards from there to OU812 to 5150. Um, You know, I had an awareness of them from, from, you know, 1984, which is probably, I I would imagine, one of their, you know, more commercially successful albums outside of Foreign Lawful Carnal Knowledge. Mm -hmm. And basically, you know, I I just really enjoyed, um, you know, at at the time, Sammy Hagar's singing. Um, Mm. You know, I, I definitely ran into kind of a wall at times with, you know, getting into the Roth era. but. But as I got into college um, and just, you know, wanting to have kind of a sense of the entire discography, I, I really, you know, started to immerse myself a little bit more in, into the Roth era. So so for me, it, it started out really with Eddie's playing, you know, his, his, you know, unconventional kind of methods at times and just the amazing sound he created. Uh, on on the guitar. I I really enjoyed Michael Anthony's bass playing. I was starting to pick up bass around the age of 16, 17 anyways. And so I was, you know, I listened to some of his bass solos and his playing, you know, in, in some of the songs as well. And just very, you know, just really enjoyed his style. Um, You know, very different from, you know, now I'm much more of a you know i am I'm, I'm more into the the musicianship and and you know kind of technical playing side of things and so i you know someone like a getty lee is a bit more what what i look at and and you know looking for those bass players who are just you know proficient at such an, a high level not that michael anthony wasn't but just mm-hmm. there there was a difference of style there you know mm-hmm. and um and so that's how i got into it you know and 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 i can't honestly say it it, it was you know, my, my, my love of Rush is really around, uh, as we've talked about, the, the, the technical aspects of their playing, the, the musicianship, the precision. A lot of the things like you and Jim discussed with Tower of Power and, and, and what you know, has what drew both of you to, to them, you know, the, those finer details. Um, those were not the things that drove me to Van Halen. It was more, it was just, you know, Eddie's playing was just so, just brought an energy. You know, Sammy's performance and singing brought an energy. There was a positivity and an energy to him. Um, Mm -hmm. And and I think he brought that into the band in some ways uh, with the songs they did, because they kind of went away a bit from the girls, girls, girls sort of approach and started to get into more into different themes, which we'll kind of cover in in some of our favorite songs, you know, or, or songs that have some of Eddie's best, you know, guitar solos in them. Um, you know some of those songs started to have some more depth to them and stuff and so th- those were all things that I just kind of enjoyed and then um, and then for me once Sammy kind of departed that was when I you know I still kind of followed them but I think that's when you know my interest in them kind of waned a bit so yeah uh, and then I kind of departed f- after that and and they were pretty dormant for the 2000s anyways so.
0: So just to, just to follow up a little bit on a couple of your points uh, for unlawful carnal knowledge it was yes. certified uh, three times platinum, which is ironically, or I shouldn't say ironically, it's oddly enough uh, tied for the least successful of the Sammy Hagar, catalog with Van Halen. Out of the four studio albums that he did with the band, For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge and Balance were both three times platinum. Uh, OU812 was four times platinum. 5150 was six times platinum. 1984 certified diamond, which means 10 million plus units sold. Holy moly uh and that is a distinction also shared by Van Halen's debut album. Of course it's had some time to rack those up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. However, I do find it interesting uh that the, the 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 last two Sammy albums were in effect the the least sold, which is very interesting I think g- given how we will then uh treat those albums as we go along.
1: Which is crazy because I as I remember that was they, they had so many like hits off of off of for unlawful carnal knowledge, yeah, I mean, it was pancake uh, sorry pound cake, run around in and out, and right now, and I top think, of the world, and I think top of the world, I think there was at least five or six songs off of that album, which oh you know oh you eight one two, I don't remember how many were released off of that or fifty one fifty, but
0: uh, that's interesting uh, I, yeah. So those are peak chart positions. I don't know where I'd find the, uh, the singles here in the Wikipedia page, but yeah, it is interesting. Cause I remember that album being just a gigantic album, but maybe then, then again, maybe it was just for me. Yeah. Uh, I actually, I actually joined the Van Halen party somewhere around, I, I, it was probably the beginning of the, of the Sammy Hagar regime, if you will. And, I, I, it's kind of the, the way you put it as an awareness of David Lee Roth Van Halen is probably a good way because I was aware of them because how could you not? Yeah. I mean, 1984. That album was huge, Jump was everywhere, Panama was on MTV, Hot For Teacher, probably responsible for a good amount of, uh, of young boys in 1984, 1985 hitting puberty simultaneously. That, that album was everywhere, so you kind of knew of it, but I really wasn't as into the band at that point. So I kind of started jumping in around about the same, probably, well, earlier than that, so I was probably around 5150, OU812 territory. And really enjoyed the band there Then went backwards into the David Lee Roth years And, and, and found a bunch of stuff there that I liked But I really, I, I, I was a Van Hagar guy That's just That was the yeah. Van Halen that I knew yeah. And it was really tough for me to go back And even now, as, as I kind of went back And started listening to more of the early Van Halen stuff uh, After Eddie passed away Man, I still, I st- the, the Sammy stuff still resonates with me yeah. And then I, yeah. I actually hung around a little bit longer than you. I did stick around into the Van Sharon area area <laughs> uh, era for a while, the Van Sharon junta, if you will. And uh, I will I will say I actually enjoyed Van Sharon a bit, um, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Uh, Eddie Eddie was still at the top of his game, and that's the thing though that throughout is that Eddie's guitar style was always uniquely him. However, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there really is three very distinct. Actually, four very distinct that kind of go along with the lead singers that he changed a little bit of what he did, and he would the band itself changed yeah. as each as you hit each of those areas and his his sound changed a little bit and his and his style changed a little bit, but it was never like for the sake of anything else it was it felt like an evolution rather than a change for the sake of changes sake, yeah, that's just me though, yeah, yeah. So now you know. That's how we, we got into this. End of, and, and as you can tell, both of us checked out long before we got to the, the, hey, Dave's back. No, he's not. Sammy's back. No, he's not. Dave's back. No, he's not. Dave's back. No, he's <laughs> not. Dave's back. And crap, Dave's back. So, I mean, it it there it was,
1: oh, my gosh. I well, and I, I had read some things that they were, um, you know, after he had passed away that I don't, I don't remember if, if Sammy was saying this or if it was – or Dave or, or, or both of them. I don't know. But there was some talk of – they were talking about potentially doing a show, um, like doing a tour where it would be like half the show would be David Lee Roth and half the show would be Sammy. Like Sammy – like it's not like they were getting to a place of finally trying to try something like that. Well, they did that. Oh, did they, they did
0: a tour, yeah. It was called the and they had a pun. They had a bunch of it was like best of both worlds, or I think they called it the Sam and Dave tour or something like that. With Van and they Hammond. did that, yeah, I believe so. Oh, okay. Or or was that? I, well, I'll have to look that up in the show notes and post it. But there there was okay. a tour with two of them on the bill where apparently they didn't really talk to each other at all. Okay, uh, but then of course you have the issue of like oh, who's the guitar player?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean that's that's the kind of the big problem you face in doing anything with Van Halen now is like you don't have another Eddie. I mean we saw that almost everybody else in that band was replaceable. I mean it's it, when you think about it, mm-hmm. f- bands don't usually change lead singers at the height of popularity the way they did, right? And right. then maintain that popularity yeah. and actually continue to grow. That's a very rare thing. They managed to change. Uh, lead singers three times well four times actually because i mean you have dave sammy gary and then dave again well actually then sammy and then dave again and then you you changed out bass players which eh, i mean we'll talk about that later the only the only people that didn't change out was eddie and alex and I mean, right. good reason. The band is named after them.
1: Yeah. So I mean, it's well, but but like his passing, I I, I look at it the same way as with Neil Peart passing for Rush, where I I don't, and, and and it's different because of of the relationship of those three guys. But but I feel like you know that that's the end of the band now. You know. There, oh there, yeah. There, there isn't going to be another Rush because you know Alex and Getty don't want to just pull a third person in just to do some kind of tour. Like there, there was a brotherhood among the three of them. And yeah. now that one yeah. is gone, that that is it. And I think with Eddie, it may not be a brotherhood thing. Well, it is with his brother, Alex, but, but like you said, I mean, he was such an identifying part of that band in terms of the sound and the presentation that y- you can't just bring someone in now to, to, to just fill his shoes just to do a tour. You know what I mean? It just, it, it loses some of its, you know uh some of the attractiveness or 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 some of what would bring fans back you know was was i think you know he was a key part of that well yeah Um, and
0: and, i mean let's 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 be real honest right here van halen as a musical writing force as a as a there's a new album coming out yeah has been gone for a long time yeah I mean, Van Halen became a legacy act because their last album was of original material was in 2012. Then they had the Tokyo Dome album from 2015, but they they weren't writing new music. They weren't releasing new music, right. even. But I mean, and and Eddie's been sick for a few years now. So I mean, granted, that's part of it. But it's not like they were in a real hurry to to come out with a new album,
1: right? Right.
0: So it was a legacy act. And, I mean, it's it's an, it's one thing, like, yeah, you could still go out on tour and do, like, the Eddie tribute tour. But even that is so difficult to pull off because Eddie was such a big part of the show. I mean, you could yeah. probably do it and get—you could probably get a couple different guitarists to come in, and you could rotate guitarists and do something like that. That, I th- that could be cool. But, man, you know how difficult that would be? Mm-hmm. Just in in like getting people who can actually play the songs, yeah, and and get up there and do it, it'd yep. be so difficult, yep. so difficult. I mean, there's there is no other Eddie Van Halen. They aren't they aren't knocking more models out of that mold. I don't even right. know if there was a mold to start with. Yeah, you yeah. know he was he was an original, and you know they don't they don't make those as much anymore. You know, no. or, or at at all.
1: Well, and, and, you know, not, not, not to go too far off, off the path, but I, you know, I think this has something to do with it. I mean, you know, I, I think as well the way, you know, people use their time now, and I'm kind of painting with a broad brush. So, I mean, I, you know, there, there's going to be exceptions, but, you know, he, he came from that era where musicians were really spending, you know, every minute of every day honing their craft, working on their music, developing their sound, developing their technique, trying to, you know, you know differentiate themselves from all of the other players. And these days, with all of the different distractions we have, I, I just, you know, I, I remember seeing something, you know, I, I forget if it was an article I saw just in passing on Twitter or not, but just how the guitarist is dying because there's no, you know, there, there are no, you know, new guitarists coming forward, you know, because I I think part of the problem is we don't have people who are really putting themselves into, into it in the same way. You know what I mean? Like developing Uh. something new and something different. Um, You know, music has changed and the way it's, you know, the way it has, it is distributed has also changed. And so I think that has some influence as well, but you know, he didn't come up with his style by accident. You know what I mean? Like he, he just—he had talent. He had skill, and he developed some some techniques that no one else was doing at the time, when Van Halen One came out. Yeah, and that is what really put them on the map,
0: because I no one
1: had ever seen someone do something like what he did when he did Eruption.
0: Yeah. You well, yeah. I mean? And the thing is, I don't—I don't know that it's so much that there's no one out there doing that. I think it's more a problem of dilution. And I'll. I, oh, or fair I, enough. Yeah. I, yeah. I think it's I, because there's plenty of people out there who are who are spending time learning how to honing their craft, getting you know writing great music, and and are and the, and that's the thing. Like you could look at a Steve Vai, at, at some of these like just guitar wizards yeah. who are who are actually probably better than Eddie. From a technical standpoint, the same as you could probably find someone who is better, from a technical standpoint, could play faster, could do whatever uh, than than a Stevie Ray Vaughn. Yeah. However, the fact was that they just had a, they had something extra that 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 found its way out in the music, and they were actually one of the first ones to do it. So. You know, I don't think it's that. I think it's just it's harder to find those people now yeah. because there's so much out there. The same with finding new music. Like people are like, oh, music today sucks. It's like, well, no, it's just you got to look a little harder because there's so much music because everyone can have everyone can have a band now. Mm-hmm. Re- re- recording is pretty easy and you can get I mean, listen to listen to us. Listen to us for crying out loud. We're the perfect example. Like you don't have to have a studio and tons of recording equipment. We do this on the cheap. Who? And when I and when Where? I say cheap... How? Ex- Why? Exactly. Oh. This guy over here doesn't even know how it works. I had to tell him that the stuff inside his computer is magic dust and, and, and special internet gnomes. He, and he believed me. Really? I mean, yeah. Ex- yeah. Or well, no, that was what you told me. I'm sorry. I get so confused between the
1: two of us. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, this is what I do for work. What do you mean you're explaining? You're telling me it's fairy dust. What are you talking about, man? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm idiot explaining to you. That's what I'm doing. So, but the fact is like there's just so it's e- easy access and there's yeah. a lot more out there. So you have to search a little bit more. And the and the and the traditional ways of sifting through and finding stuff yeah. are just different. And and granted like and hey, you know what? We're older. We're we are both gentlemen past our 40. Yes. Uh, 40th birthday here. So We're we're among that group who's like you don't listen to the radio for your your stuff anymore. And it's it is a different game Mm. and which is fine. But I I just man, I feel like with I I don't I don't know how to describe this, but I, I feel like there are Eddie Van Halen's out there. It's just they aren't quite getting through or the fact is we didn't have I mean, how many Eddie Van Halen's before that? I mean, think about it. You have he he drew a lot from uh from Jimmy Page. Yes. H- how many Jimmy Pages were there really? I mean, when you really think about it, you're talking about generational talents. And oh yeah, there's there's no new Eddie Van Halen. Well, no kidding. There wasn't an Eddie Van Halen before him either. Right. You know, right. you had to go back to Jimmy Page. And yeah, maybe you had the two of them kind of coexisting in the same way. But you know, I mean, Eddie was on the rise and Jimmy was kind of heading, you know, in the other direction. Yeah. As far as fame and, and kind of record and, and, you know, and doing his and his career kind of yeah. the same now, like there's been other guitarists and they've had their day and it's like, you know, I don't know. I, I just I try to avoid the old bastard talk as much as possible because yeah, I just don't I don't
1: want to be that guy. I know. So I'm I, Well, and, and I am not trying to be that guy either. But. I I do think there is a difference generationally between the kind of musicians that came up in that era versus now.
0: Well, yeah, it's a different because it's all different. I mean, you don't have to do the whole Eric Clapton, like advertise in the London Times, you know, but you're absolutely right for records, You you know, it's not
1: like you and I have or I'll just speak for myself. You know, it's not like I have my. My finger on 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 the pulse of music either you know so so i i I fully admit that there are probably blind spots to you know my perception and perspective as i share this but i do feel like musicians like him uh yeah you're you're absolutely right i mean they're they 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 are rare and you know it it, it, there is a certain amount of you know like like there's a, a a quote from Je neil, ne sais quoi. yeah there, there's a quote from neil pert where he said luck is the combination of prep when preparation meets opportunity yeah you know what i yeah. mean and and so i i think that that is very true and so he he is he, he is a unique talent and and it was funny i i remember reading too when he was first playing he would play a lot of the time facing alex and not the crowd because he was concerned that other guitarists would steal you know and especially when he was doing like like the 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 you know kind of his traditional doing that sort of tapping up the fretboard mm-hmm. and and playing that style he he would not face the audience because he did not want other people to steal his ideas you yeah. know and, and understand how he was playing because it was in his mind kind of his thing and mm-hmm. and so just you know for from that you could see from that era just how protective he was you know about that and and um and knowing that you know he was doing something that no one else was really doing at that time
0: yeah and something else to keep in mind here sir and and i don't want to i don't want to shock you too much but it kind of hit me like a ton of bricks when i just thought of this a moment ago yes the fact is the next eddie van halen the next great guitar player the next you know the next great band ain't making music for us no they're not they're not making music for 40 year olds.
1: No, they're not.
0: And so guess what? We're not going to be the uh, the target audience that's going to get hit first. I We're going to hear it later on and be like, "I don't know what all this is." Er, back in my day, you know, it's like, my "No, back. they're they're making music for teenagers and 20 year olds, and that's fine."
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But damn, I just got old real hurt in a real hurry.
1: Oh. Yes, you did. Hang on
0: a minute. I need to sit down. My bursitis is starting to act up.
1: <laughs> Damn you, old man! <laughs> Take a load off, brother. Take a load off. Good Lord. Well, uh, I think we've exhausted how we discovered Van Halen.
0: Yeah. So let's get right into, uh, we, we only have a couple of topics here because we, 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 this was a much more exhaustive list before and then we realized, hey, we ought to talk more about Eddie. So uh, we're going to go with our top five. Well, we five. should just say that,
1: that, that we have a Legends oh, version of geez. the show.
0: Oh, all right, you're gonna give away all our secrets. Well, uh, fine. Sorry. Yeah, the, this the Legends Edition of this show was was way too long, and, and we realized afterwards, like, hey, we started talking about Eddie, and then we ended up just, or at least on my part, I spent the entire time crapping all over the legacy of one David Lee Roth. <laughs> and, as entertaining which entertaining! I know our as listeners can
1: find hard to believe that, that 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 our local idiocy curmudgeon, you know, spent that much time <laughs> dumping on Dave. But in fairness, I was also doing the Sammy versus Dave comparison constantly, and poor 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 Eddie was like a, an afterthought. So we we decided to to retool things a little bit here. And in all
0: fairness, Dave deserved it. So that's the other <laughs> part that I'm just going to throw in there. He did that that grinning idiot chucklehead deserved every oh, little bit man. of it. Uh, anyway, so let's let's go right here, start off right at the kind of the heart of the matter. Yes. We're going to talk about our five our top five guitar solos. Yes. And these are solos within songs because we are we are going to take out of the equation Eruption, Spanish Fly, yes. um, we're taking those right off the boards because those are all Masterworks. We're not going to do and,
1: instrumentals. Basically, we're we're we're, yeah. we're talking about songs that have a lot of the kind of style and flair that is synonymous with Edward Van Halen within yes. the song, and uh, and and in some cases, just some just crazy stuff he just kind of breaks out, you know, during some of these songs and as well. So, mm-hmm. uh, yes.
0: As usual, taking my point, reshaping it, and saying it better than I ever possibly could. That's Oh, why- stop it. That's why he gets paid the big bucks in seltzer fizzy waters.
1: That's right. So- the crime. What? <laughs> oh, aren't
0: you just bougie? My gosh. I
1: am. I, I, am. Drink, I'm drink,
0: I drink like store brand. I'm- <laughs> I drink like the runoff from the gutter with a little carbonation in it. <laughs> Add my nice. own flavor. All right. So who do you, you want to go first you want me to go first? What do you want to do? Uh, why don't you go first? All righty. So let's go. Let's go. Let's go all the way back. Let's start right off at the beginning, chronologically, as I am wont to do in my preparations. And uh, my first one is uh, the solo from Ice Cream Man from the very first Van Halen album, titled Appropriately Enough, Van Halen. Uh, so. <laughs> What I love about this, overall, the song is great. starts off the kind of, you know, acoustic blues sort of thing. And, you know, and then what he ends up doing, once they kick into the full-on electric part, and they they get into this, it's a rock shuffle. And, um, you know, what I love about Eddie is he takes a a normal rock solo and then drops it in the middle of this blues song. But then he also manages to take a lot of, like, standard sort of blues licks and, and, like, Kind of uh, pieces of what you would normally hear in different blues solos and incorporates them into his own solo, but in his own way. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that was really, really good and really fun because it showed like, hey, no, I know all this stuff, but I'm going to play it this way. And I really like that because it had that. It, it, it there was always this uh, attitude with Van Halen of like, yeah, we're gonna do it our way, you know. Even when they did the cheesier stuff like Dancing in the Streets, and No oh, Pretty Woman, and whatever, it was always very much in the, the Van Halen style, right? You know. Right. And so I I appreciated that about Ice Cream Man. I just I, the way I would describe it is a delight. Very It was very a nice. delightful solo. Uh, very the nice. next yeah. next one would come uh, would be off of the Fair Warning album, uh, Mean Street. Uh, I just love how it starts off with this rhythmic breakdown before it really starts getting into the standard Eddie acrobatics, you know, uh, and a and a very like a very Eddie solo. But I love that rhythmic breakdown that just kind of it it just it's it's it, I don't know. I just like it. I have I have no other way of putting it. Yeah. I just like it. Yeah. Um, and then the third one would be uh, would be Panama off of the iconic 1984 album, uh, in which I love how. You get the solo, and just when you feel like it's okay, they're they're going to kick back into a verse or something. It, they they wave them around again, and this is maybe just something that amuses me because having played in a funk band, there was many times when, uh, you know, someone would be taking a solo, and I personally, as someone in the band, was just enjoying it so much. I'm like, no, no, take another chorus. I just want to listen to more. <laughs> nice. I just want to see how much more you got cuz that's really good. And it f- it almost felt like that sort of situation like no no Eddie go around again. Go around again. Mm-hmm. Do some more. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, and uh, and of course I think Panama we've discussed this before in the in the legends version and also be in our pre-production meeting. I really feel Panama is like the iconic Van Halen song. So it really kind of the guitar solo in here I ve- I feel is very uh is a very good summation of of Eddie's kind of solo repertoire. It's a good representation of it. Uh, After that, we get into a a song off of 5150 called Love Walks In. I like how this is, it's nothing fancy. There's not a lot of the tapping. There's not a lot of, you know, the normal acrobatics. It's just this really kind of cool, soaring, clean guitar solo with this really cool flourish at the end. And then as they're kind of getting back into the the verse, he just adds some atmospheric sort of notes and swells that... It, this nice little soundscape sort of thing. Yeah. And I'm like, it, it's just perfect for the song. It is absolutely perfect and serving the song so well. And uh, and then the fifth one actually is my favorite. And it is right now off mm-hmm. of For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge, which to me matches the tone and the feel of the song perfectly. Yep. It's probably the closest we get to an angry slash angsty Eddie solo. Like I feel like he really kind of dug in on this one. And honestly I I I this is this is my personal favorite solo and even though I would say Panama is is the best representation of his overall work I think this is his I think the solo in right now is probably his best solo yeah. ever yeah, on right. on an album I I love it I think it's perfect I wouldn't change
1: anything about it Nice nice And and what do you got sir Well before I go I just want to say those are all good selections oh uh, thank you sir very much and and and, you know especially when you talk about love walks in i have to add in that and 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 you kind of said this already so maybe i'm just repeating you but eddie had a way of yeah like like painting you kind of said you know the atmosphere but but the emotion or or the you know kind of the sound theme of the song you know like like that came out in his guitar playing you know mm-hmm. and and when you have a song like love walks in where it's more you know kind of a a i mean it's more of a love song his guitar playing doesn't cut through it it it, it reinforces it yeah you know what i mean and uh and and that's just one example i mean he that, that is something that is prevalent throughout and you know i'll i'll get you know to mine in just a moment but but that that is something about his playing where you know it it just it you know his playing has this way of kind of either setting the tone or reinforcing the tone of the overall song. Yes, and 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 that's just something that I think is really cool. So for for my first one, um, I already talked about this one, but but Pound Cake, which is from uh, for unlawful carnal knowledge, it's uh, he's using a um, to start the song off. He's using a drill. Uh, you know, not drilling into his guitar, but using the the rotation of the drill on the strings to kind of create this screeching sound. That is just was it, a really no, was it
0: really on the strings or was it just the sound of the drill through the pickups in the guitar?
1: Uh, I thought it was on the strings causing vibration. Could be, yeah. I I thought that's what he did because there are times he runs it up up the fretboard. So it can't uh, be it can't just yeah, be a yeah. pickup thing because he goes like. You know, there's a couple times where he goes, rear, rear, you know, like there's kind of like a, a motion to it. Um, and in in the concerts uh, or the concert videos I've seen, yeah, he, he runs it up the fretboard and, you know, kind okay. of this motion. So. So anyway, it's just kind of a, you know, again, just an unconventional kind of approach to creating sound and and, you know, creating a texture. Uh, maybe that's the term I was trying to get to my prior my prior point, but. You know, mm-hmm. he, he, he just creates a texture, you know, with with the way he plays. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so so that, that that's a that's, you know, one song that stands out for me. Um, next one off of Fair Warning uh, is Unchained, which, mm-hmm. um, you know, if I could point to one Van Halen song that I could see being a potential like, you know, entrance music for a wrestler, a <laughs> professional wrestler, Unchained <laughs> is right up there because yeah. it just has this driving guitar this this guttural raw guitar you know he just goes right into it it's like i mean he's just like it's all him and then you got michael anthony coming in with the thumping bass um you know alex is playing i mean it's just it everything just comes together in that song and there's just such an energy to it um, there is that middle section, which is kind of funny. Oh it's like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, come on, Dave, give me a break. And it's one like one break. coming up. And, and that is Oh like, my gosh. That is like a great example of Roth. You know what I mean? Like if, if yeah. you pick moments that are like, w- describe to me, who David Lee Roth is. Like that is one of those moments. It's like, "Come on, Dave, give me a break. One break. Coming up." <laughs> it's just like so ham-fisted and so like, you know, Vegas, you know.
0: It's like If I had to pick like three favorite Dave moments, I'd probably pick that uh the beginning of the uh what is it? Yankee Rose uh video where he comes up and he's like uh he's like, "What is it? Give me Give me a bottle of anything and a jelly donut. Go. <laughs> oh. I have no I have no I, I don't know why, but that oh just sticks gosh. in my head That's and it gives me funny. nightmares. And then the other one is just a gigolo. Yeah. And yep. it's it's all just cheese. Like I don't remember David Lee Roth for any like fantastic vocals or particularly meaningful lyrics. Yeah, I remember him for just goofy crap. Yeah. And that and that song and that song is perfect because it, oh, yeah. it does actually kind of it fits in with just like just weirdness but yeah yeah yeah
1: well and i was just thinking about this as you were talking though but when you really think about if you go back and listen to unchained and and you know i was talking about being kind of a pro wrestler theme there Mm. are some elements of of the way he's playing and that kind of rhythm that i i'm now thinking are are reflected in like um if you think of like the ultimate warrior like oh god yeah you know what i mean because his theme was very guitar you know, staccato sort of dun 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 you know, that sort of thing. And that's what Unchained oh, yeah. is. It's a very kind of, you know, driving guitar sort of sound. So anyways, a lot of good energy there and, and a lot of great, you know, just just great, great guitaring by Eddie, um, you Yes, know, in, in terms good of pick. The playing there. Uh, from Van Halen one, uh, Jamie's Crying. Um, that is one of their uh, if you ever listen to a classic rock station and they play Van Halen, that is going to be one of the songs they play. <laughs> Usually um, about
0: ten fifty seven a.m. every single morning.
1: That's right. That's right. Oh, what, God. Well, I don't know if this gets me in trouble, but you, you can edit this out. But you know, one hundred point three W-H-E-B.
0: Oh <laughs> yes, <God. laughs> Usually right after a right after a Leonard Skinner song, and then they'll throw some Deep Purple after that.
1: But there's such a. You know, there there's such a style and 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 such a uniqueness to some of the the songs that and, and the way he plays them. And Jamie's Crying is one of those because it's just like this bump, 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 it, you know. It's just it just has yeah. this like very you know like there's just a hook to it that just bur- it's like seared into your brain after you hear it. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I mean Eddie had more Eddie had more
0: hooks in his box than most fly fishermen use in a lifetime. Oh, that gosh, dude yeah. was just so everything they did that was one of the that's of the that is the van Halen greatness is instrumental and chorus hooks yes. yes was outstanding yep oh couldn't 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 beat them. couldn't beat them.
1: uh fourth song uh, from uh, foreign lawful carnal knowledge again is in and out that mm. one is just you know another example of uh just Eddie comes in with just this driving you know just just guitar riff and really sets the tone. Boy, you weren't kidding about the, the, the gas from the seltzer. Uh, t- I warned you. <laughs> you can't take down a whole six-pack of seltzer and not pay the piper.
0: <laughs> You're over, oh I hear gosh. you over there as we're talking. And so Janie's crying. <laughs>
1: it's a really great... <laughs> strong. <guy. laughs> it's like, that's like, my gosh, it came out of nowhere. <laughs>
0: I'm just hoping that oh. whatever you head for dinner, you don't start coming out the other end. You're going to have to excuse,
1: excuse oh, me. Got, why do you got to go there, man?
0: I, I got to get a mop. I had
1: some brewing going on. Just, oh, man. It just hit the evacuate button. <laughs> Anyways. oh, In and out. Somebody call Pro. I got biohazard. Oh, I'm pre- pretty sure that's a kidney over there in the corner. Oh my God. And I worked up
0: my tonsils up against the wall over there.
1: <laughs> oh, that's hysterical. <laughs> oh gosh. my gosh. Anyways, what was I saying? So, In and Out. Uh, <laughs> yes. Which is is a good
0: metaphor for you. All the Celts are going in. What's going to come out? <laughs>
1: oh my gosh. Tell me about it. <laughs> uh, but no, this was a. Jesus uh, <laughs> Christ. I can't talk now. Uh, <laughs> oh but this was a uh just a memorable one from that album with with his his playing um the energy Mm. it brings and you know again he sets a texture in the song um you know not that the guitar playing relates to the lyrics or anything like that but the energy and just the the tone you know is just is so you know his his guitar playing is so instrumental in that song and uh, and that's one of those songs that if you were to hear it on the right here, right now live album, you know, he, he comes in with a much more aggressive, you know, kind of rhythm um, to it. I mean, not, you know, not monkeying with the rhythm, not changing it, but just coming in with a different, you know, kind of opener to it that just, you know, you just get into it energetically right away. And it just, you know, it's just one of those songs that, um, you know, I, I just really enjoy listening to his, his playing on. It's, it's a real gas. It, <sighs> good Lord. It all just came together with that song, in and out, burping. You know, it's all good. <laughs> it's very, uh,
0: very, very bubbly song. Very bubbly song.
1: Uh, the last of my top five. I have a couple of special mentions after, but the last of my top five is "Finish What You Started" from OU Eight One Two. Has a very, mm-hmm. you know, kind of. Uh, I, I don't know what the proper musical term is, but but just the guitar picking and kind of the acoustic-y sound of it is just very different um but it's very memorable and it, very, again it's very one of those, country what's that very country yes yeah very country again one of those uh you know songs where you know just that guitar gets kind of seared into your brain um mm. you know as we talked about just just the hooks that are there um are just fantastic and so just just another representative you know kind of uh song of 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 his style playing Little Guitars from Diver Down is a special mention. Um, that's, I'll just say listen to it. I mean, it, it just, you know, one of those songs that, that he just comes in with one style and kind of, you know, the song kind of takes off from there. Um, mm-hmm. you know, kind of similar to what you were saying with, like, Mean Street. You know, it starts off in kind of one style and then it kind of changes into another, um, mm-hmm. you know, after he plays the intro. Uh, and then from OU812, Source of Infection is <laughs> – is, you know, just comes in with just an insane guitar solo, and followed up by by probably one of the better, you know, Sammy intros, where it's like, you know, he he plays this whole thing, and then it's like, you know, it, like Eddie plays, you know, banana, and he's like, all right, banana, woo, you know, he gives a little Ric Flair going on there, and uh, you know, just 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 gives the song a good kind of starting off point and stuff. But uh, yeah, just just a fun song, so. So those are my top five. Two special mentions for uh, top five guitar solos.
0: You just had to outdo me by two, didn't you?
1: It was hard to
0: whittle it down, man. You're just gonna blame it, but just blame it on the seltzer. It's all right.
1: Oh, the Lacroix is just killing me. Oh gosh.
0: <laughs> I I won't bother making too many jokes about getting old. Too old where it's like I had too many too many seltzers. I had too I can't many handle, seltzers. I can't handle my seltzer the way I used to. Like, Where's oh, the you tubs? <laughs> Do you do you have some of them spike cells? Just no, no, just the regular ones. Ah, oh, the gas. <laughs> Gee, Gramps, when are you going back to the home? Oh right. boy. So uh, let's get to the top. Our top five Van Halen albums. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 how about you start off on your list, sir? Or sir.
1: Sure. So uh, for my top five, um, you know, as we talked about earlier, I for, for me and you know, kind of where I came into the band's lifespan, I I really feel like for unlawful carnal knowledge is probably representative one of their best ones um a lot of songs like five or six songs off of that um i you know were released i think onto radio and i think um just overall from top to bottom it was just a really solid album um and, and just you know with with sammy singing you know michael anthony's playing uh, alex on drums and then of course eddie with his guitars you know it, it was just a fantastic album so so that that, that was my first one um After that, uh, I went with 1984. Um, I would be remiss not including that as one of the top ones uh, that that has, you know, Jump and Panama and um, really, you know, a lot of the songs that that kind of made the band and kind of established Eddie Van Halen, you know, if he wasn't already, you know, viewed as a guitar virtuoso even more so, um, you know, after that album um, as well. Mm -hmm. So so that would be my number two. My number three would be uh, OU812. Really enjoy, you know, for for me, Sammy is, you know, like like you were saying, I'm I'm very much of the Van Hagar era, so, um, so really kind of working backwards from uh, foreign lawful carnal knowledge, uh, I I, I liked, uh, you know, OU eight one two and and the style of it, um, you know, there's songs on it like Haba Wabo, uh, we talked about Eddie setting kind of a texture. Um, I, I feel like he and Sammy had some ability to really kind of tell stories in their songs and just kind of transport you to those places. Like you just listen to those songs and you're like, I feel like as I listen to the song, like it's a song I would be listening to at a beach or something like that. You know what I mean? Like they just found a way to capture like those feelings in music for a setting, you know, it's like, that's Mm -hmm. the best way I can describe it. And, and that really only happened with Sammy i I don't you know I've listened to the, you know really all of the albums and and I, I never really came away with that feeling with when and, and you know we'll we'll get to this when we talk about the eras but you know with the Roth era I just never got that from from that era but with the Sammy era you know there, there was a lot of that artistry going on where they, they just kind of transport you to that place or you know if it's a love song they they just have a way of bringing that emotion and the feeling of you know like falling in love for the first time sort of thing you know like like just how they do that and capture that in music is just something that they're very very talented and and very skilled at doing so Mm -hmm. so for me ou812 is a big one uh 5150 uh sammy's first album um Mm -hmm. was was you know just filled with with just some fantastic some fantastic music you know a couple of the songs i i really enjoy uh you know, Dreams, um, you know, again, Sammy kind of brought a positivity and a hopefulness. Um, I, I don't know, you know, how much he played a role versus Eddie versus the other band members in terms of writing lyrics and the themes of these songs. But there does seem to be an inflection point when Sammy comes in that they they start to have some deeper, you know, kind of things going on in lyrically in, in the songs. And so Dreams uh, is, is a favorite of mine. Um, Summer Nights. Uh, is another mm. like Haba Wabbo is another one of those where I just feel like thematically, texturally, they just seem to capture that that atmosphere of hanging out with your friends in the summer at night, you know, just kind of you know goofing around and stuff. and you know they just mm-hmm. found a way to do that. Um, you know, best of both worlds, Love walks in. Why can't this be Love? There's just a ton of great great songs on that one. Um, yeah, so I think I'm at I'm at oh, I'm at four. So finally, um, my, my last one will be Van Halen One. Um, you, you know, really, as a debut album, that, that one really put him on the map. That it really kind of established Eddie as, as you know, this, this very different kind of guitar player. And, you know, just that Eruption instrumental he does is just incredible. Um, yeah. You know, leading into, you know, I mean, it just – I can't hear Eruption and not expect, you know – uh, girl, you got, uh, you got me now, or sorry, I'm,
0: you really got me,
1: you really got me. Thank you. Just, you know, jumping right into that, you know, after that is just, you know, just something that you just, it's again, seared into your head, you know, sort of thing. So, yeah. So those are my, uh, my five, uh, one special mention, uh, would be women and children first. That's where, uh, Uh, You know, a a number of of very, uh, you know, some very good songs uh, like And the Cradle Will Rock, Fools. uh, Take Mm -hmm. Your Whiskey Home is another song I really enjoy, which has some good guitar in it. Um, Mm -hmm. So anyways, those are my five with one special mention.
0: Nice. Well, oddly enough, we have the exact same top five, just in a different order. Yes. I just just realized this. It's only been two episodes. This is the second time we've done this episode, and I'm just realizing this now. Let me tell you, you need someone who's quick on the uptake. Just give me a couple weeks, and I'll realize You know, something. we call
1: the show Free Range Idiocy for a reason.
0: Yeah, it's pretty much for me. No! So,
1: Stop it. So,
0: so my top five in order would be, uh, first and foremost, Van Halen. And, and I will actually say this is only because it's not because this is my favorite album. I actually had to duke this out in my own head this is the most important van halen album just Mm -hmm. because it's the first one it is the it is the debut it's one of those things that i actually wish i could go back in time and listen to this in 19 what was it 1978 this came out uh i and again i i if i listened to it then i was two and i probably was not all that impressed uh but if i go back and listen to it like at my age now for the first time in 1978 with all the stuff around in in context, yeah. just trying to imagine how mind blowing that was hearing that album for the first time yeah. and going, what the hell is this? This is different than everything else that came before it and you, you have to give credit to that. You have to give credit to the, to the kind of the spark that came out of that, especially when a spark, it's not just a spark, this was a forest fire that yeah. just came at you, a wall of flame and guitars. So Van Halen gets the nod for, for first. However, uh, second album is actually my pick for what I think is their best album all around and only gets edged out because it's not the OG, and that is for unlawful kernel knowledge. I think this album is the best recorded, best sounding, lyrically strongest, musically strongest. uh, The same way that I think right now is actually the best song that Van Halen ever wrote and recorded. Mm -hmm. Everything about that recording, that studio recording, to me is perfect. I can't imagine it any differently. It it has not aged poorly. It still holds up. Sound like it could have been recorded last week. It's it is just beginning to end terrific and that entire album i feel is good because i feel like some of the other i feel like some of the other sammy albums didn't the quality of their recording isn't as good yeah uh, and there, there's one in particular that i'll mention at the end here uh but for unlawful carnal knowledge and, and of course that was also like just a mind-blowing album for me that I went all in on Van Halen for several years based on this album because it was it was huge. Like we talked about before, there was it seemed like every week there was a new single off of it. I'm like, aren't they going to run out of songs on this album? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Pretty soon. Every song, every song is going to be a, every song off. This is going to be a single at some point. Yeah, It seemed like it was just going to do that. So my favorite album, but it comes in here, too, because you really have to put the original first. After that, of course, is 1984, because it's one of those albums that, in a way, I kind of want to dislike it just to be contrarian and just to be that jerk, but I can't, because it is so iconic. There's a reason why it sold over 10 million al- uh, 10 million copies. Mm-hmm. Jump was absolutely... is probably the song that they're going to be known best for and it's not their greatest song but again it's so absolutely hooky you can't help but like it I like I kind of want to hate it because I'm like oh it's just not it's not as good as some of their other stuff it doesn't rock quite as hard but I'm like damn it it just I can't help but sing along to it I can't help it and then you've got Panama which I, I actually think is you know the best representation of Van Halen party music overall like especially David Lee Roth version Van Halen. Uh, and, and Hot for Teacher and um, Drop Dead Legs is on that, which is really good. Oh, shoot, there's another song off of there that was a, a single-ish song that I can't remember right now. Anyways, overall, top to bottom, just an iconic album and a, and a really solid album as top well. Top Jimmy? Can't, no, not that. Anyways, uh, next one after that, uh, number four on my list would be OU812. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, really solid album. Uh, lots of different musical styles on here, as you mentioned. You've yeah. got, you know, uh, Finish What You Started, which is a t- real different song than a lot of what they've done before. Uh, you know, a couple ballads. You've got some stuff like um, uh, Source of Infection. you got Black and Blue. You've got some stuff that is a little bit harder or stuff that, I mean, uh, just all kinds of different textures on that that but, but overall a solid album and and probably in my mind second place to uh uh unlawful carnal knowledge in terms of like quality recording just sounds really good yeah. sounds really good i don't think that i don't think the songs necessarily they haven't aged quite as well as that other album still pretty well though yeah um yeah, I would agree. and then uh and then uh fifth on my top five is 5150 this is actually this the album where I feel they probably had like the best consistent like number of like the the song quality was all let's say they were all above like six or seven out of ten yeah but there wasn't a 10 you know there wasn't a nine or a ten they were all just like well, let's say they're all like five six seven they were all strong. But I mean, there wasn't ever, there wasn't like a right now, right, right. on there. They were all, I mean, like dreams, uh, you know. Love walked in, you know. They're like seven, seven point five, but nothing really crept over an eight. But they're all solid. There's, there's not like a two on there. Um, However, the the recording of this, the quality of the recording, I felt was not as good. It didn't sound as good as 1984, and it definitely didn't sound as good as OU812. So I don't know what it was about that, yeah. but the it, it sounds dated. The guitars sound dated. The sound sounds dated. It just I'm like, oh yes, and this was made in the 80s, early 90s. <laughs> I mean, it it has that sound of, uh, it sounds cheap. It's like if you get, if you get like a lower model car and you can look and you see like the the fit and finish isn't all that great. And you're like, oh, hey, they're not even trying to pretend that this is leather. It's just plastic, you know, and it's not even good plastic. I'm pretty sure if I scrape this, I'll find a Mountain Dew label under the, under the gray paint that's on top of this uh, rich Corinthian leather. So, uh. But that's my top five. I and, and nice, uh, yeah, very Sammy heavy as uh, as as is yours. Yeah, yeah. Which now brings us to the buy sell lightning round. So we're going to go through some uh, some of our hot takes here because we are sports fans and we like stirring the pot and and we'll see what we're buying and what we're selling. So first one here, of course, we're going to go back to the source. The entire reason that we are doing this episode, Eddie Van Halen, and we'll start off with this: Eddie Van Halen is the greatest rock guitarist of his generation. Are you buying or selling?
1: Uh, I am buying. Uh, I think he he had an, a, a you know a tremendous impact on rock as a whole. Uh, the the his style of playing, the you know the unconventional nature of how he handled the instrument and how he generated sound was. Was something that I think influenced a lot of, you know, future musicians. You know, I, I have no doubt that um, if we look at some of the big grunge bands from the '90s, I'm sure a lot of guitarists would look back at him as being, you know, kind of an inspiration to get them to think creatively about how they played. Um, mm. The the one that really stands out to me, and we we talked about this. Uh, this was one of my end and another things from last episode was uh, Jack White. And, uh, you know, he he is a just a standout in my mind as someone who there, there, there's a documentary called it, it Might Get Loud. Yes. Where it's him and Jimmy Page and the Edge um, mm. or Edge from you from you, two, kind of talking about different songs and the way they learn to play. And, and I, I love listening to Jack White talk because it sounds like he just looks to struggle with the instrument. You know what I yes. mean? Yes. He, he's looking to be uncomfortable and to fight with it and to, you know, basically beat out, you know, the sound he wants out of the guitar, you know, just beat it into submission sort of thing. And, yeah. you know, he and that SNL performance he did a couple of weeks ago did a very, very short interlude during one of his songs. I think it was Lazaretto, um, where he, he did kind of a, a finger tap up the fretboard, you know, very eruption-like style instrumental uh for about you know five to seven seconds and then he dropped right out of it back into a song as kind of a little uh, as a tribute to him and um you know those are the kinds of people that i think he's had that sort of impact on that you know to not just pick up a guitar and just you know play it for what it is but to to take the guitar and try to you know make it your own try to get Mm -hmm. a sound out of it that is your own style. And, and, you know, try to experiment with unconventional methods, you know, in order to generate that sound. And so I am buying because of those things. I, I think he had a tremendous influence on on a lot of musicians today and, and you know, from the 2000s and 90s.
0: Yeah, and, I, and I'm buying as well. And I I like the idea that the beginning of that movie with Jack... Uh, I want to say Jack Black, but it's not. It's Jack White. And, uh, and Edge and Jimmy Page starts with Mr. White building his own guitar.
1: Yes, yeah. Just a pickup and some... I mean, it, it was not even a full-on... All the pieces you need to make a real guitar. It was the bare bones.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so... But you think about what Eddie Van Halen did, building that, building his his uh, his Frankenstrat out of parts and just, you know, like digging out like where he wants to put the pickup. And and and, you know, the the paint job almost being a function of like, well, I'm kind of holding it together in some ways. <laughs> and yeah. I mean, dude, that's that is like the one of those DIY rock and roll stories. And it goes back to, you know, guys getting like this, this the distortion sound through taking a a razor blade and cutting the horn on the on their amp Mm -hmm. to distort the sound that was coming out of it to get the grunge to get that kind of rough guitar sound instead of the clean sound and trying to distort it and and you know just going all the way up there's been these these people in rock and roll who who have customized and gotten their hands dirty and, and, and hacked things. And Eddie was part of that. And he was an inspiration to other people. And and I like that fact that it ties into, for me, it goes, you know, Jack White and Eddie Van Halen and, 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 and people who do those sort of things remind me of, like, the Teddy Roosevelt, you know, like, lead a strenuous life. Like, don't yeah. make it easy on yourself. Yep. Make it harder on yourself. Like, make some mistakes and, and try and do some crap on your own. Uh, so let's go into this next bit of our lightning round. Van Halen was a better band with Sammy Hagar than David Lee Roth are you buying or selling
1: I know the numbers may not show it but I'm buying it I think that's one of the reasons why I gravitate toward that that era is is I think you know Sammy brought a and, and I don't think there's any mystery as to why you know some of the thematics of their songs changed a bit now let's be honest it wasn't a complete change from the party you know girl chasing mentality but you know f- there there was more songs that had to do with I think deeper themes than just that you know when when he came on board and not so much when Roth was there you know and mm. and you know I, I have to believe that a song like right now doesn't happen without his presence um, no you know I I, I kind of made the statement in our in our legends version of this that <laughs> Sammy at age 70 is still playing with two bands. He's traveling around doing a TV show where he taught and he interviews uh, other musicians and and plays with them. I mean, he he is a musician's musician. Yes. You know, and his voice is as good now as it was then. You know, he he has a just timeless voice it seems like. You know, he he is mm. taking care of himself in some way shape or form. So,
0: well, I don't know about that. he He's got a hell of a constitution. I think that might be part
1: well, of well, that. that 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 could be as well. but <laughs> but to hear him sing now, I mean, I was just floored. And so I, I feel like he just brought all of those things into this era of the band, and I think, you know, really brought them to a, a you know a, a place where they had a lot of just pop culture sort of success, you know with with their music. And we talked about, you know, for unlawful carnal knowledge, had so many great songs including right now off of it and and i think you know that that he's a big part of why that was
0: yeah i am i am not only buying this one i'm buying in bulk like take me to the big box store and i Use. will buy this in bulk mm-hmm. and now i will also kids gather around it, it's, it, it's it's this confession uncle Todd time.
1: moment is brought to you by Lacroix. go
0: ahead this is this is uncle oh hang on a second uh, there we go so that's <laughs> The
1: Celta. there it
0: is. That's that's my Lacroix commercial. Just a, you're, you're too shy to burp on air. I I will. Um, so confession time. I I would. I would have given Sammy a slight edge, but I still would have acknowledged how, impo- how important David Lee Roth is. I am totally tainted by the, the second coming and the third coming and probably the fourth coming of, of, of David Lee Roth. However many times he, he, he came back with the band and left and came back and then left and whatever. I'm tainted by all of that. Yeah. Because it, you kind of realize, oh, Dave is actually really kind of a clown. And, and and a lot of the cheesy stuff that he used to do doesn't age that well, and yeah. you start seeing an older guy do that, and something about it just is like meh. Yep. Mm, nah, I, I, no, like well, no, it's not it's not cute anymore, and and you can't like I, you actually don't have the horsepower to to like carry the vocals anymore. So now right. it's just kind of annoying because I'm not even hearing the song the way that I would like it. I would like to hear it. Yeah. I'm I'm totally tainted by the last portion of the band's life when they were a legacy act, and having to watch David Lee Roth just like mosey around stage like the grinning idiot that apparently he is now, and it's like, okay, yeah, no, don't forget the kicks. Sammy looks better by the moment. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah, the more videos I see of like of like late career Van Halen with David Lee Roth, I'm like, man, those Sammy years are sounding better and better all the time. Yeah, you know? and,
1: and you know he, he's you know much like I was talking about how Sammy's voice is held up. His voice is not. His voice is not. And, oh no. And
0: and I be- oh gosh, seeing seeing them on like Kimmel, and I, my first thought was I actually felt bad for him because yeah. as as someone who's been a singer. I know it's. I know it'll happen at some point. Like singers don't age as well as like instrumentalists do. You can you can still play instrumentally at a very high level for years and years and years past when singers lose their fastball. Mm-hmm. And and go speak to Roger Daltrey and Robert Plant and a lot of those guys who were like the defining voices of their generation and who operated at the edge of their vocal envelope, yeah. and who now are like, yeah, I, I don't go there anymore. I can't. I can't hit those notes anymore. So I, the first time I saw it, I'm like, "Oh, dude, yeah. poor, poor Dave." And then just to keep, see, keep keep seeing him do it over the years, I'm like, "Oh no, I don't even know that he's actually trying." Actually, yeah. Now, yeah. now that I'm watching, I'm like, he seems perfectly happy to just be a complete putz. So I don't even know if he's actually trying now. Like, yeah. I, I'm this could be just laziness and him just being like, "Hey, I'm David Lee Roth. Hey, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Diamond <sighs> D."
0: Good Lord. So, yeah, I'm buying in bulk on that one. All right. So the next one that we have, Michael Anthony. And I love how these are all just – these are totally like Skip Bayless hot takes. Uh, I love this.
1: <laughs> my turn.
0: It is. You told me it was my turn. Skip we're, right this at- – we're we're writing we're writing like a show for someone on EEI tomorrow when there's like nothing no, no sports to talk about for like an hour they're nice. going to grab our list and nice. use it
1: you can talk all that you hey, want to, hey, yell hey, and scream yell okay, it is my you're turn you lost
0: the game so uh next one is Michael Anthony was more integral to the Van Halen sound than David Lee Roth are you buying or
1: selling i'm buying i'm buying big time oh uh, boy this is a this is a run on the market today oh there is no no um yeah, and 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 the next the next hot take will, will will be of a similar nature that i think uh with michael anthony and you know his bass playing and in his voice
0: mm, the, yes the high harmonies
1: the, yeah the the high harmonies that are very characteristic of van halen music that that was something they brought that I, I really enjoyed in their music was just the way that that they could harmonize and 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 bring this sort of you know, kind of backup singer. You know, kind of sound into their songs, um, mm-hmm. that 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 just had kind of a characteristic voice. Every single song that had it, you know, that like you just knew that was a Van Halen song because of that. Mm. And, and he played a big role in that. Yes, um, his bass playing fantastic. Um, you, you know, a couple of the songs that we were talking about uh, had that driving bass to it, and and he he just you know he just brought it in in their performances and 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 in in, in, in their recordings, and I. I think, you know, he was a major piece in terms of making the band what it was. You know, Eddie brought his, you know, Eddie's style was the character, you know, was the characteristic part of it or, or the part that stood out. But for the band to be successful and for them to, to, to reach the, the height of success that they reached, the whole band musically came together around that. And I think that's why over the eras of different lead singers, they were able to keep kind of going because they, they, they had that machine, you know, kind of in place. Now toward the end that machine changed. Um, mm-hmm. and and part of it I can understand because Eddie's son grows up and Eddie wants to play with his son. And mm-hmm. and I think that's that, that's for them to do, you know, and, and but but I think, you know, going back to the beginning and through the Van Hagar era, I, I think Michael Anthony was was a, a very integral part to their sound and and, and I and I think more important than, than Roth was. Yeah.
0: I'm buying on this as well for all of the reasons that you just gave. And my my only thing to add to that is that Van Halen stopped sounding like Van Halen when Michael Anthony left and and Wolfgang was there. Yep. yep. And that's only because he, he couldn't hit the same, he was hitting some of the same harmony, but it just didn't sound as good. Right. And that's, I mean, and that's no, that's no shade at, at Wolfgang Van Halen, you know, I mean, not everybody can hit those notes that's why it was so distinctive he could do it and his voice sounded good there and he could you know it just sounded natural and sounded good and it mixed very well and i don't think wolfgang is that is as good of a bass player for for you know for what it's worth it just this and maybe it's just the sound that he was getting or whatever i don't know it just to me they managed to switch lead singer uh lead singers three times and it still sounded like van halen yeah you replace the bass player, and all of a sudden, it doesn't really sound that much like Van as as much like Van Halen anymore. Yeah. Now, granted, you're also dealing with a burnt out David Lee Roth at that point. Yeah. So you don't have that to hang your hat on anymore. So that maybe made it a little more obvious. But yeah, no, I agree. I am buying. They all hate you. So next, uh, next one is Alex Van Halen is the unsung hero
1: of Van Halen. Buy or sell? Well, I'm buying this because I came up with it. <laughs> Good, good, good point. Transparency and full disclosure, but but I I brought this up because as much as we talk about, or, or as much as the band gets talked about, I, I I've always felt like Alex is kind of in the background, and and let's be honest, he's a drummer, so he technically is kind of in the background. Yeah, i was
0: gonna say he is he is actually in the background yes, of the stage. But,
1: <laughs> but a lot of the sound, just like we were talking about with Michael Anthony, a lot of the distinctiveness in their sound does come from his drumming and does come from the way he plays and there are as i was listening to the discography from beginning to you know end uh there is just a a you know much like eddie has his distinctive sound with guitar and his style alex has his own style and and it comes through you know there's there a straight line you can draw through all of the albums where you know alex's style comes through and mm-hmm. and the way he plays and you know, I, I mean, I wouldn't put him at, 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 a, at a place like where I see Neil Peart being one of the greatest drummers of all time. But Alex, when you listen to some of his drum beats, he's doing some complicated stuff. You know, it's not like yes. he's phoning it in. Um, yeah. He's bringing some, you know, some some complex rhythms, some complex, you know, rhythm patterns into some of these songs that gives these songs kind of the oomph, the stank, if you will. Damn! You know, rhythmically. That, that makes them and you know makes them great and distinguishes them from from just kind of run-of-the-mill rock and so you know I don't have any songs off the top of my head but you know if, if you listen to some of the albums that you and I talked about you can hear that that drumming coming through there's just a very distinctive sound to the way he plays and and I and I just for one don't feel like he gets enough credit or or and, and maybe it's of his own design I mean you know some of these guys are are, are not, ones that want to put themselves out there for all the world to see, and they're very content just kind of sitting back and doing their thing. Um, yeah. And he may be like that. I don't know. But but I, I just felt the need to kind of call him out, because without his drums and without the way he plays the drums, just like we talked about with Michael Anthony, you lose the distinctive Van Halen sound. And mm. uh, so, yeah. So I am I am buying, buying, and buying again. <sighs>
0: I, uh, I'm going to have to sell. They all hate you. And and probably for good reason, too. Um, <laughs> however, I, I will say I, I, I kind of want to agree with this because I, I do agree. I think the, people don't talk as much about Alex Van Halen's drumming as he probably does deserve because he does do some fairly cool stuff. The thing that always comes to me is listening to uh, run around off of uh, for unlawful carnal knowledge and you know he, there's just this thing that he does where as he's he's at the beginning of the song in the intro just hitting the ride symbol and, and it's dr- ride symbol snare and he does this thing where he'll just hesitate and change the snare pattern each time they kind of go through the 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 intro pattern you know changes and I'm like, man that is that's kind of hip like i yeah. I really appreciate that and it, it does it breaks the song up a little bit. And there's a couple other songs as I was going back and listening to discography where, you know, he would do some some stuff where I'm like, ooh, that's kind of cool. However, the thing is, to me, Unsung really has to be one of those things where you don't, like, I never would have, I don't I don't remember anyone really ever talking about Michael Anthony. And, it, and in the bass being what it is, it's one of those things that kind of gets lost or it can get lost in the mix or something you don't think about unless you're looking for it. There was no way you're going to miss Alex Van Halen's drumming just because the cymbals are ringing through the entire... I've never heard anyone else play drums where it's like from the, from the downbeat mm-hmm. of the song until the fade-out. There's just cymbal crash the entire time. I'm like, how do you get that effect? Because <laughs> yeah. they just don't stop ever. Ever like you can't ignore it like there's no doubt when, you, when you're listening to a song it's like yep that's got to be Alex Van Halen how do you know do you hear the cymbals it's like he's got twice as many as any any, any other drummer it's yeah. crazy yeah but I mean it's uh, that's just me I I maybe it's because I've always heard that in Van Halen songs and I can't ignore it even if I wanted to you're just getting so twitchy because
1: we've bought too many of these things you're gonna sell one of them
0: I that might be it Gosh. yeah that might might be might be all right, so next up, uh this one is uh, this one will probably stick in the craw of a Van Halen fan or two. Even if they're not listening, they will sense the disturbance in the force of me even saying this and they will react to it viscerally. Gary Sharon was an underrated part of the Van Halen legacy. Buy or sell? Sell next. Oh,
1: damn. Damn. I mean, I So here here's here's my my issue with with, oh, with the Sharon yes. era. Uh, let the hate go through <laughs> you. They all hate you.
0: Um, <laughs> Actually, that is true. That is like I'm pretty sure Gary Sharon has that tattoo.
1: I, yeah, I, and and some of this may not even be within his control. But I thought Van Halen three was one of my biggest problems with it was the way a lot of the songs were produced. And I felt like they had to, rather than let Sharon's voice stand on its own, and, and I know in the recording process there's polish that's put on this stuff, I really felt like more often than not they were trying to augment his voice to sound too much like Sammy. Mm. The, Sammy has a very distinctive kind of, I, I don't know how to put it, it's not like he's yelling, but he's—you know, he's got kind of a, a, a volume and and it, i i don't know what the term a density not not thickness but a density to to the way his voice carries and sings and okay when i listened to van halen three and especially the couple songs that they released off of it i really felt mm-hmm. like they took gary Sharon whose voice i was familiar with from the band extreme and just augmented it to the nth degree in a way that made it very sammy like Mm. which I just was like, this is, this is awful. Don't, don't, the guy has a perfectly good voice. You know what I'm saying? Like, let, let it stand on its own. You know, you're going to have a different sound now, live with it and, and make it, you know, make it work. Yeah. And I don't know if it was because of whatever reasons, whether it be they want, you know, wanting to sell and, and, and kind of uh, appeal to the Van Hagar fans by having someone kind of step in. You know, I, I won't go as far as to say he was a virtual twin of him, but it's really hard to listen to those songs and not hear that. You know what I mean? Mm. I don't know. He he just felt like such an odd pick for that band. I, I really don't know the story behind it or why they felt the need to pick him, but I just, I don't know. I I To say he's underrated, I would say not. I think it was a... Something they experimented with and tried, and it—it uh, it, much like the Hindenburg, it crashed. So, oh, uh, I am selling, and I'm selling lots of it, and and I'm 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 you know I'm taking whole jugs of it and throwing it outside, and just you know I'm, I'm booting it and get, ah sell it, get rid of it. Damn so a uh, mental note
0: and uh, this is a note to myself as the editor uh so i want to include two things uh, in the show notes uh first is there's a hilarious henry rollins uh video where he talks about van halen and meeting van halen so that <laughs> that number one i just i could listen to henry rollins all day I, I i would actually i would love to have henry rollins just narrate and do commentary on my life i think that would be terrific i
1: just remember hearing his voice and and hearing him talk and thinking oh this sounds like a very you know you know normal kind of i don't mean to say normal but but just then you watch some of his music videos well right and then you see his music videos you're like is this the same guy i mean he just sounds very you know very plain very you know well-educated studious sort of voice you know i mean he just has a voice that sounds very professorial Mm -hmm. in some ways you know and Yep. Uh and then yeah, you see his music video was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, different guy. <laughs> Fair enough. And then the other one is there was actually another guy who was uh who I forget, and I can't remember who he is. I'll have to do I'll have to do some serious searching on YouTube. But he was actually technically part of Van Halen for a little while. Like they were starting to write songs and all that and I can't remember if it was between Hagar and Sharon or if it was Sharon and 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 David Lee Roth. I'm not sure how that all worked out, but there was a guy who he told his story about, like his couple months in Van Halen, kind of undercover before, and and didn't end up working out. So I'll try and find those links. Interesting. Uh, however, I am going to buy on this, and and this is the reason why. Oh. I think uh, I think one uh, is, and you and you're totally right. Van Halen three is not a great album. It, it might not even be a good album. Mm. Uh, I actually do like uh, Without You, which is the if you could call it the hit, and I'm using some serious air quotes on that one, uh, from the album. I, I, I do like a couple of the songs on the album. However, this is uh Gary Sharon really didn't have the benefit that Sammy Hagar had coming in to record fifty one fifty. I mean Van Halen had just come off Balance, Mm -hmm. uh, and actually not even just come off, it had been a couple of years, so so let me see here, Balance was 1995, Van Halen 3 was 98, so there was some time in between there, and I think that was when the greatest hits thing was happening and and the whole thing blew up and all of that fun stuff, so lots of drama. It wasn't like they were coming off of 1984 and then like, hey, we got a new lead singer and here's a bunch of new songs and we're going to just pound them right into your face and you're going to love them yeah been a little while there's been a lot of drama with the band and this was also the point when michael anthony was really not a big part of the band anymore yeah. i mean he only recorded three songs playing bass mm-hmm. and then eddie played the rest of them and he was technically even though he's given songwriting credit he was really not a big part of this like they had, it was one of those deals where you know, like when it was a power play in the band, and they basically fired him and then rehired him, not as a member of the band, but just as a touring musician, sort of thing. And 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 it was very shortly after the tour, Van Halen three tour, he was gone. Um, wow. So you're, you're you're he's stepping into dysfunction first of all, and this was like Alex and Eddie at their the high point of their ego mountain. Actually, I don't know. That might not be the high point. They were definitely on the ego mountain at some point, mm-hmm. so it was not a great situation there. So I, I think given an given a, a healthy band, I think this could I think it could have worked out pretty well because Gary Schroen's written some good music. He's had a he's had a good career on his own. I could see that working, and I could if if things had been a little bit different, had it not been like an Eddie and Alex sort of power play. Mm-hmm. Maybe it turns out a little different. Yeah. Um, but I'm a little bit influenced by this, by the fact that uh, Van Sharon is the, the Van Halen that I saw live. Mm. And I saw them on the Van Halen 3 tour, and it was a great show. It was an absolutely great show, because uh, Sammy was uh, did not perform a lot of the Dave Van Halen stuff. Yeah. And uh, then when Dave came back, he did not perform any of the Sammy stuff, because he couldn't, because i mean dave could barely sing before he can't i mean let's just let's just lay this out there when it comes to singing dave can't even hold sammy's jock i mean it's not <laughs> even
1: funny Jeez.
0: it's not i'd say it's a i'd say it's an unfair comparison it ain't even a comparison wow. like it's just
1: not I'm taking the skip bayless even- stuff to heart man
0: we're not even talking the same we're not talking apples and oranges we're talking like apples and cinder blocks like it's we're not even talking like foods anymore. So, <laughs> you know, but so Dave didn't do any of the Sammy stuff. Sammy didn't do any of the Dave stuff. Gary was like, "I'm just kind of happy to be here and I'll sing all of it cuz guess what? I can." And so they did a bunch of the Sammy stuff, they did a bunch of the Dave stuff, they did mm. the two songs off of Van Halen 3 which sounded pretty good live. Nice. And I mean they st- I mean they led off the concert with Mean Street which is a killer way to open a show yeah, dude. Yeah. It was fantastic. And and so they just rolled through like the entire Van Halen catalog. And it was great and and Gary Schon had so much energy and was such a great frontman and uh, to me it was a great show. I I had a great time at that show and I came away thinking like man this album not so great but man I would I'm I'm anxious to see what these guys do and then it cratered. Yeah. So yeah. I think he's underrated in that given a given a better set of circumstances hell just given a fully healthy band you know well as hang on a say as healthy as any touring rock and roll band ever really is yes. you you get you give a, a somewhat functional and a musical environment I think they could have made some good music together. I think a lot of the problems that they had on Van Halen 3, you're totally right in saying they, 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 they kind of mess with the vocals and all that. I think that's the power play. That's like Eddie and Alex deciding they're going to marionette the whole band, and they're going to do it their way. Did he sound and that Gary, way live? No. He sounded like Gary Sharon. Right. So I, I think he is underrated just because I think the live aspect of that band was excellent. Yeah. They were excellent live. It was a great show and I th- I think given uh, better circumstances it could have actually turned out all right. Uh it's nice. a very poor sample size I think. Yeah. Uh but that's just me. I had the benefit of seeing it live so maybe that influences me unfairly. Very cool. Uh all right, last one. The band would have been a viable musical force in the early 2000s by yourself.
1: Sadly, I'm I'm going to sell this one even though I kind of came up with it. Uh oh. <laughs> I mean, they they went dormant for the 2000s. Um, A lot of it, I think, had to do with Eddie's health issues. You know, based on Balance and based on Van Halen 3, I I just—it really seemed like creatively they were heading into a rut.
0: Just just to be fair, Balance actually sold just as well as for unlawful carnal knowledge. And actually— Seems like it might have actually been a little bit better received overall. Really, which is a shocker to me because again, I thought that other album. I thought, I thought that was. I thought Carnal Knowledge was a, a gigantic album, and to hear and like to see the actual numbers not quite match up. I'm like, good lord, am I that far off the pulse?
1: Yeah, I mean, Balance. (laughs) Balance had some good songs on it, no doubt, and and it it wasn't. You know, it, it wasn't an awful album, um, but it. I didn't feel it was as strong as For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge. And then when Van Halen 3 came out, I really, you know, just I, I didn't like anything on it. And and I think that kind of probably was the death knell for, for my, you know, my interest in the band. If the band were to try to do something in the 2000s, I mean, I, I, I would have liked to have understood or seen like creatively what they were, you know, trying to come out with because they, they were competing with bands that, you know you know at that point they they were they were the old guys you know and and there were a lot of younger bands kind of blazing new trails and you know there i remember watching the kimmel thing when when they were doing that um the, the the bit for kimmel for the tokyo dome show that they were doing and just thinking to myself like not that their act was stale but just that there, there's got to be more to it. And, and you know, I, I, I was telling you before we started recording, you know, there, there was this YouTube clip of them, you know, in, in 2015 playing at the Billboard Music Awards. And then conversely, I, I watched this, this clip from the Grammys of uh, uh, 2015 Grammys where ACDC performed. And it was interesting watching the difference between how those two bands were received, because Van Halen, it wasn't that Van Halen wasn't received well, but there was just a different energy there, you know, and, and, yeah. and it wasn't very energetic. When ACDC started playing and, and they were playing a song that I think was new for that year and then and they played a short version of it and then they switched into to Highway to Hell. Yeah. Which, I mean, the place went nuts, you know, and these are all, you know, celebrities at this award show.
0: Yeah. Um, oh, I know. And I know the one you I just watched that the other day. Yeah. I mean, it was oh, incredible.
1: Totally. I, I mean, the sound was incredible. But then you watch yeah. Van Halen playing Panama and it just it, it was like it was lacking something, you know. And, yeah. And and what, what made it even more cringe inducing was you had Dave trying to do the the monologue part of, of Panama, which is a, a bit, you know, um, what's the term I'm looking for? Um, Risqué. And he's like calling out like names of some, you know, some of the female singers who were present that night there, and and you know, again, this is a risque sort of dialogue he's going through, and and just for the time, it just felt very wrong, you know what I mm-hmm. mean? Mm-hmm. And and so just those those couple of things, like I I don't want to frame them as just being, I'd like to think they could have grown beyond being a party band, and I'm wondering if Eddie had been healthier and was able to do more in the 2000s if they would have maybe found something creatively for themselves where they could have continued forward. But mm-hmm. it just seems like they just kind of petered out toward the end. And yeah. the the album they did in 2012 with Roth, while it I didn't really care for it, I did find it very interesting that they, there were a lot of similarities to the early Van Halen albums to that one. And I don't know if it was they were copying stylistically things from it or what they were doing there, but I just remember listening to it and thinking, "Man, and and you know, again, you only pick this stuff up if you're listening all the way through the, disc- the discography, you know, fr- fr- you know, top to bottom right away, because some of that stuff is fresh in your head still. Mm-hmm. And just some of those songs on that album, I was just like, "Wow, they're they're either copying their style. It, it didn't just, it didn't seem like they were trying to blaze any new trails. You know what I mean? No." And no, th- So that's why I'm selling this one, because I really feel like as much as I want, would have wanted, wanted to have seen them be successful, I just don't know if, A, they could have grown out of the girl chasing party band thing that they had going, or B, they had the creative chops to to really continue forward in ways that were different artistically.
0: Yeah, agreed. Now, for me, I've got two answers for this and and go ahead and tell me i i'm i'm trying to have my cake and eat it too and i would say to you what the hell point is having the cake if you can't eat it I'm trying to have the cake and eat it too exactly but again what the hell's the point of having the cake if you can't eat it like oh you have your cake but don't eat it what is it for display purposes it- no i'm going to eat if i get if i get a whole some cake you better believe it's on I'm display eat that.
1: it's meant to just you know get all moldy and no,
0: no, no, no! You got to take that. You got to take the 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 glass cake thing. You got to lift that up and take the cake out. You put, that's what you put the red phone under to call Commissioner Gordon. You put that under the under the glass cake thing. The cake goes in your belly. That's that's how the the cake goes in your cake hole. That's how that works. Okay. For those of you who don't understand, Do continue. This process, so, would the band have been a viable musical force in the two thousands? If we're talking about if they continue with Gary Sharone, I am a, a cautious buy. If we're talking about how things played out like oh, they start touring with they start going the going back and forth between Dave and Sammy and trying to bring back the glory days, sell all day long Mm -hmm. and twice on sunday Mm -hmm. because i i wonder if had there been a little more introspection in the band and a little less ego at that time had van halen three come out and and they're like okay that sucked we didn't do very well let's get let's actually let's let's try and work hard let's try and actually put together a new album and let's 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 work on this and you have gary Schroen in there working with them Yes, I think they could have. I think they would have gotten away from the party band, or they wouldn't. They would have been more in the direction where Sammy Hagar was taking them. Where yeah, hey, yeah, we still have some songs about chasing girls, but we also have some songs that are our actual love songs, and we have some songs that you know they're, they're not just all lust songs. We actually have some songs about love, and then we've got some songs about other stuff, and we we can write about other things because you know I'm not David Lee Roth who has like a one track mind. <laughs> <laughs> that one rail is rusty and, you know, yeah. kind of veering off, and the other rail has syphilis. But so the... Oh, oh, <laughs> sorry, I- I've just got to get one more, just one more punch in on Dave. I don't know why. Oh, my I gosh. don't know why. I'm sorry. Goodness. N- not really. But so, but if you're, if... I, I feel like they would have headed more in the Sammy Hagar direction than if... Than, than going back to Dave. If they go back with Dave and they and they they just turn into a legacy act. That's mm-hmm. all they are. They're mm-hmm. a legacy act. They're going out and they're cashing checks and they're doing tours and they're going to do the, they're going to grab from that same, you know, set list and they're going to you know they'll, oh yeah hey we played a lot of songs off Van Halen to this tour that that's great. Your new stuff, eh. but the big difference is for whatever reason. ACDC and ac is a prime example because they they release the same damn album every every couple of years. Yeah. And the thing is it rocks. Oh my gosh, they just released a new album. Yeah. And man, I heard the song and I'm like I want to trash this but damn it, this is good. Yeah. Like it's it just kicks ass. Yeah. And it's it's not like it's a hard for, you know like a really difficult formula or anything like that. But there is a difference, because, like, David Lee Roth in that in that performance is being risque and all that, but in a very weird sort of creepy way, whereas, like, yeah. ACDC is just sort of like, yeah, we're that bar band that's going to be inappropriate and kind of edgy and stuff like that. But we're not necessarily specific. Like, we're not talking about you. Yeah, yeah we're kind of talking in general and i think that's part of it like acdc is kind of like the grungy dudes who hang out and you know hang out at your local bar and will make fun of or make comments about anybody and in in that way they're kind of they're inappropriate but at least they're equal opportunity equal, uh, inappropriate david lee roth is like your your drunk uncle who like starts getting who's trying to pretend he's like like part of like the teenager gang and and cool and stuff it's it's just there's some difference there and man van halen when they got back with dave was just like yeah we are just that's it we're not trying to really write anything all that new and they they had their one attempt at it and that album (sniffs) I mean, it's sold for all the people who are, who are like craving a David Lee Roth comeback, uh, none of them showed up to buy the album because it sold about the same as Van Halen 3. Yeah. And actually, I want to say, um oh, yeah. So Van Halen 3 peaked at uh, number four on the charts. Uh, a Different Kind of Truth peaked at two. And they both they, they both went gold. So, I mean, which is not that big of an achievement these days yeah. with the way that records are distributed they're they are the two least uh selling van halen albums in the entire catalog so all those people who are like oh i want dave back they sure as they sure as shoot and didn't show up to buy the album that's for sure yeah yeah. they all you know but it's like when kiss you know would release a new album like ain't nobody buying the new kiss album they just want to go out and hear rock and roll all night in detroit rock city and that's about it you know so anywho so yeah it's a buy and a sell I would have cautiously bought if we had Gary Sharon or really anybody except for David Lee Roth. Mm-hmm. Anybody, one of the kids from Hanson. Oh, good lord! I would. Which actually, looking at that video that I I just found it, and uh, it kind of he kind of looks a little bit like he was an escapee from the Hanson family. Oh point. boy, <laughs> it's it's the kind lost Hanson. Yes. Oh, that would actually be that'd be a great band name. (laughs) The Lost Hansons. Anyways. (laughs) And another thing. What do you got for this week for uh for and another thing, sir?
1: Uh, so my end another thing, a little bit timely, uh, given that uh, we are encroaching upon election season here. Um,
0: oh yeah, that's right. We we're not even sure if if the country will have burned down by the time this goes. To the that's sandwich. true. Yeah, but
1: uh, <laughs> here's hoping at least leading up until that. If if you have or or uh, I think they're actually doing this for free without. I, I don't think they're requiring a subscription potentially for this. But I I don't know. You have to hmm. check it out, but. HBO Max, uh, a West Wing special to benefit when we all vote. Uh, really, really cool uh, reenactment of, of a great episode from that series. Uh, I think I've talked about this as one of my and and other things, but basically this was a retelling of this episode on stage with the original cast. They, they didn't try to you know television produce it. It, it was done in a theater with uh, minimal props and... and I mean literally you know, you're looking at the door frame and it's it's just like a door frame. you know, it's not like they're trying to make mm-hmm. it look like anyone's office or anything like that. Um, yeah. All the original cast, except for John Spencer, uh, who had passed away uh, during season six, but they, um, they pulled in, oh my gosh, I am so awful when it comes to names. Um, he is in this is us, I can't think of his name. Sterling K. Brown uh, huh. played uh, the, the Leo role, uh, who is the chief of staff to President Bartlett. In, in this episode and, and it's a great episode it's called Hartsfield Landing really cool uh, story behind it and, and really was done as a means of kind of putting the word to the street so to speak about getting out to vote uh, mm-hmm. so uh, it, it's done very much in a, in a theater style one of the former uh, actresses from the show, um, A- Emily Mallory Proctor, who played, uh, her character was named Ainsley Hayes. She does uh, the stage direction as they come into the intro of the show or come back from what would be commercial. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, the commercial breaks are really just basically messages from different actors, uh, Samuel Jackson, Bill Clinton, Elizabeth Moss, uh, who who, pla- who uh, played President Bartlett's daughter on the show. A lot of different people. Um, I think... Uh, President Obama or Michelle Obama have said a few things as well, just just again, just to encourage voting. And the episode itself is about that. You know, it's it, Hartsfield Landing is meant to be, ironically, a fictitious town, very similar to Franconia notch in New Hampshire, um, mm. because the character President Bartlett is from New Hampshire and just about, you know, they're they're uh, the first to vote and. You know, part of the episode is a couple of the characters trying to, to convert, you know, some voters to vote for Bartlett as opposed to his opponent. And then, you know, just kind of letting them be and, and just letting them kind of vote and do their thing. And what's really cool about the episode is Bartlett's playing like two chess matches with two different members of a staff dealing with. Uh, a conflict with China and Taiwan and just, you know, there, there's, there's elements of, of the strategy he's using in the chess games as he's talking to each of his staff playing out with how he's dealing with this whole thing. And it's just a great episode. So if, if you're a fan of West wing, uh, check it out and it's just, it's, it's a very neat way to see, you know, just a television show that was produced in a very polished way, done in a very theater style. So that is my and another thing uh, for this week uh, as it is voting season.
0: Very cool, sir. Uh, and my another thing uh, is uh, is going to be the movie Coco by Pixar, which was the other movie choice. Because uh, after you watch Beverly Hills Chihuahua, you got to have something <laughs> to cleanse the, pen, the palate. <laughs> the
1: sorbet, if
0: you will. And I, I think this is one of those movies that, for whatever reason, I I've seen this movie a few times now. And man, I don't know how I managed to forget it or if it's just my brain is consciously trying to make me forget so that when I see it, I just get this this wonder and awe at the visuals and how good this movie is. And if so, I'd like to thank my brain because that that just surprise every time of like, oh my gosh, I forgot how good this is. Mm-hmm. Cinematography is great. Animation is great. The story is wonderful. The music is top notch. Everything about this movie—it it is probably—I think it's the best Pixar movie they've made. I'm—I'm uh, I'm nice. much more of a—and in—in the same way that I—I, I, you know, I—I I will say one is great, and then I—this th- is kind of my favorite. Ratatouille is—is is still my favorite Pixar movie, for—for mm-hmm. for various reasons that I don't need to get into here. But uh, Coco is just so well made, so well made nice and and the idea of and the storytelling devices they do and the way that they're able to take this idea of remembrance and rem- and the song remember me the way that it's portrayed at the beginning of the movie and then the way that they they turn that meaning and the way everything just kind of pivots on that idea of, of remembrance and then the way that you change how a song is sung mm-hmm. to mean something completely different at the end of the movie is oh it's just remarkable and and it's so great to watch and, and you know it's one of those movies where yeah the, it gets a little dusty in the living room when I'm watching that man yeah. it's it's it just tugs on your heartstrings and uh, it, today is uh, we're recording the day after uh, Halloween which is November first which is uh, a Dia de la Muerte mm-hmm. which is the Day of the Dead uh, began today and will end sunrise tomorrow morning so uh, it seemed like a good pick and uh, even though I have zero. <laughs> Uh, zero mexican uh, heritage man it's it is a story that uh is great because it does celebrate that type of heritage uh the the mexican heritage uh, but even if, if that isn't part of your own story there is so much in this that you can take away and apply to your life without feeling like oh i have to try and be someone i'm not no this is this is so relatable to family just in general but it does it in such a gorgeous way such a gorgeous way i i'm in awe of this movie every time i've seen it and uh and it's it's good to be able to still be awed by something that you have seen multiple times uh and and just uh it's such a pleasant uh surprise every time for me very nice i'll
1: have to check it out i've heard good things about it i have not seen it myself oh you haven't seen it no oh
0: dude it's oh it's it's Phenomenal You gotta watch it Gotta watch all right. it Alright Alright well thank you all For tuning in And for listening to us Rant and ramble About uh, about Edward Van Halen And the Van Halen boys And Sammy And Dave And Gary And all of the other Assorted things uh, And Michael I mean let's not forget Michael And and, well, and Wolfgang too Let's give him Give him his moment too um, and, and you know I don't know. I just I'm I'm am trying to you know I'm trying to after after just bashing on Dave I'm trying to spread a little love around at the end to try and make it up to everybody. It's not gonna work, but hey, try to whatever. bring some
1: of Sammy's positivity and joy into the world.
0: Yes, after I've stomped a mud hole on David, David Lee Roth for
1: the past <laughs> take
0: that take
1: that forty
0: five minutes. I love you. Yeah, I go back to brother love at the end. <laughs> I'm stone cold for half the episode and then I come back and brother love oh, oh boy. boy but thank you all for tuning in and listening we, we certainly appreciate it be sure to tell all your friends and family and enemies and and random strangers on the street and Uber drivers uh, out there about us uh, you can find us at freerangeidiocy.com you can subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts we're on Spotify we're on Podbean you can also find us on the social medias we are on Instagram we are on Twitter and we're on Facebook all of those are at free range idiocy. you can also send in questions concerns suggestions uh rants, raves, bribes. yeah, yeah. All of that. Uh, a Seltzer of the Month subscription to, uh, Ooh, to Tim. I'll take that. And you s- I, I knew you would. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so basic. It's it's unbelievable. Oh. Basic and bougie. That's that's you from now on. Basic and bougie. So you can send all those to Tim at freerangeadc.com. And I believe that ties everything up. So right now, we uh, now that we're trying to wrap this sucker up. Yo, the sign is real simple, B. It says wrap it up. I, I like to turn to Tim, and and we hope that we've spread a little knowledge as well as a little joy and a little love throughout this episode, but really, it's all about the knowledge and the learning. Tim, what have
1: we learned in this episode? Well, we've learned that I have a ways to go in managing a fantasy football team. Oh, yes. I look that's... forward to the Idiotasy Bowl 2, hopefully happening <laughs> during the playoffs. <laughs> Watch this, we're both going to
0: get taken out in the first We round. will, most likely.
1: <laughs> We've learned that a BSG movie is a bad idea. Oh, yes. We have learned that Edward Van Halen uh, was a inspiration and a great, great rock rock guitarist uh, for this generation, and mm-hmm. many others, very influential. Uh, his style is, is very unique, very different, and all his own. And it has been... Uh, you know, a pleasure listening to his music, and and you know, preparing for this and going through the discography has, has been a pleasure as well to to just appreciate, listen to, and remember. Uh, you know, a part of my youth uh, back in my late teens, early twenties, listening to these guys and. And, and just listening to to the energy and and the stories that they would tell uh, in, in some of their songs through their music through the through the lyrics, you know, if you if you've never listened to Right Here, Right Now, you got to listen to that song. It is it is timeless. It is applicable. It is uh, just fantastic. And so uh, we we tip our cap to the man, the myth, the legend, Edward Van Halen, for for, for the years of great music. We remember, we honor, and we enjoy. And uh, I think. That is what is uh, the big takeaway from all of this is 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 just the music that is left behind. so so we appreciate it. Other than that, I would say uh, uh, I, I do real quick before we uh, end this one and, and hit the lights. i I, I do want to mm-hmm. say uh, i I have this week uh, received a vaccination of sorts. Ah, yes, I have ingested, I have taken in, i have I have absorbed. Soul Vaccination Live by Tower of Power and I will say in the word of jake blues i have seen the light
0: no funky pox for you no
1: funky pox for me so it it, it was it was amazing so uh, i would again just encourage people to check that out as well a uh, very 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 good album and a very good introduction into that band's uh, repertoire mm. with that being said i think uh, it is time to close down the range and uncle todd as good as he is doing in fantasy football you know he is the man the pool mogul the fire pit oh, friar and oh, so uh, he, he needs to, you know, put a few bucks toward that. So we need to make sure that the bills are paid. So please be good to one another. Be uh, safe. Be healthy. And would you please hit the lights on the way out? It's like I took the wrong week to quit drinking. I beg your pardon. What did you say? Damn! You're such a disappointing pair. I prayed so hard for you. Oh, 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 oh. Get out and don't come back. Until you redeemed yourselves. So say we all. And beware of the seltzer. It creeps up on you when you least expect it. <laughs>